It's Gentleman Jack Crack. Cue that fucking jaunty music. Nineteenth-century groveling, groveling, groveling. Good lord. Hi, friends. Hello. <laughs> you sound very excited. Welcome to another Nightcap episode from Gentleman Jack Crack. Nightcrack. <laughs> Wait. So this is Nightcap episode three point five. I feel like we should be saying 103.5 for season two <laughs> rows around, but we'll deal with it then. So this is the nightcap for episode three. Oh, oh, is oh, is is is, is that, that what, what you, you call, call it? it? Is that is that what you call it, Miss Lista? Shall we cheers? Oh, of course, <laughs> of course. Okay. Mm. Mm. Would you like to tell the listeners what you're drinking? Although it's generally the same thing you were drinking last time because it's a favorite for you. Um. Yes, this is a uh, Jim Bean honey. Mm. And what what you got over there? What's, what's I got that? apple on apple because I prefer drinks that taste sweet. Sometimes if I get it, I blame the Caribbean in me. But I'm drinking again Paul Mason apple, which is a motherfucking smooth brandy. And mixing inside of it, I have an Izzy sparkling apple. So it's apple on apple. Sounds delish. So did you want to... Tell the listeners what we did uh, this weekend <laughs> that passed. Oh, what did we do this weekend? No, I'm kidding. We went to FlameCon, yes. you guys. Some of you already know that as we have been announcing it on the past two episodes, although totally with the release of episode three, FlameCon had already come and gone. And sadly, that uh, jaunty fight we were trying to start with that writer from The Economist could not go down because he did not hear yeah, our challenge in time, sadly. Or she, maybe, maybe. Or she. I, I don't know. But how did you find FlameCon, Terence? Uh, it was a good time. It, there was a good jaunty crowd, actually. <laughs> it's pretty jaunty. Uh, for those not in the know or in attendance, uh, there were actually quite a few uh, cosplayers there. And uh, a few in particular caught my eye, mostly because they were... Dressing in theme of the gentleman Jack lore. Yeah, there was um, there were at least two analysts, and they they were they were towering. They were intimidating. It was it was almost actually. I enjoyed that analyster. Analyster number one was not taller than me. She maybe looked like she was about five six, five five. But analyster number two was yes. around my height. So that bitch was like six foot, and I yes. was like, yeah. Bitch! <laughs> Give us that big dick energy. And I love that she kept stopping at the table or stopping us because I was always running my mouth about Ann Lister. And she was like, every time I just hear Ann Lister's name, I just, I gotta just, I gotta listen and see what she's saying. I felt like I was kind of, I mean, for both Killing Eve, but especially Gentleman Jack, because way more people knew about Killing Eve and were just sort of on the fence. Like, oh, my girlfriend watches it. My partner watches it. My best friend. It's in my queue. There's a lot of good TV. So it was more like pushing them over the precipice. But for Gentleman Jack, I just felt like, you know, one of those religious witnesses on the Mm -hmm. corner. Have you, have you heard about the lesbian savior and Lister? Yes. Have you heard about Grubbling? Can I tell you? Can, can I, I have five minutes of your time, please? Can I tell you about Halifax's first landed lady I, yo. and her wife? Do you know what I was doing? I mean, you saw most of it. Like, we were supposed to... We were like, yeah, sell these 
bracelets. I was just giving them away. If someone said out loud like, oh my God, I love Gentleman Jack. I love Endless. I was like, here, take this Gentleman Jack bracelet. Yes. It says, I love and only love the fair sex. The take it, grubble freely and prosperously. Yes. And then if people were like, I don't know what Gentleman Jack is, I was like, take this bracelet so you can remember about Gentleman Jack and watch it and then listen later. I think we converted at least six dozen people oh, yeah. easily. I like the couples where it's like, well, it's in the queue, but I'm not allowed to watch until she's yeah. ready to watch. But did you see the couples we put over the edge because yes. both would come to the table and the one that had watched or was like really anxious we pushed them over the edge. Oh, yeah. And so I feel like, you know, some O's are attributed to us. Post yes. this flame con and you're welcome, gays. You're very you welcome. Are welcome. And much love to everyone who walked by the In table. In the vein of Lista, Hearing <laughs> these outlandish questions like, who is Lista? Passers by going, you don't know who Lister is. I mean, <laughs> that's going to be my energy for a really long time. I'm not sure. That's what's weird about this show is that, you know, I don't even know. What is this month? A month? Two months? Whatever the months are, you would think there would be some sort of lessening of fervor or interest on my part. And I'm just like, more, more. I want to consume yet. more. I want to read more things. I've read all the things. Where are the additional things? I know you ladies out there writing new books, bitch, faster. I'm sorry, that's rude. But <laughs> if I could just have them as quickly as possible, that's cool. If you need someone to read your manuscripts, I'll do that fucking too spell check whatever i just need more enlister content so and, i was just happy to spread the yeah. word and shout out to uh one a student who decided to let us know about the class that they took right um lesbian immortal lesbian immortal okay i would like to take that class lesbian immortal but actually you know what? We should have asked them. Did they say what school they went to? Because uh, I had a friend who took a class at MICA, Maryland Institute College of Art, and it was called Gay Sex and Civilization. And I just like in general when professors of not or just whatever academic institution, but I feel like it's more common in like the artistic, more artistically inclined institutions where you find these really radical names of classes about queer people and whatever the fuck. Or maybe it's in all schools. I don't know. Do you did you have a class that, that was called like no immortal gaze? I feel like I just signed I would, up straight away. Right, like I I will go back and just you know I'm just observing. Just take that class. Just mm -hmm. take the the credits. Hell yeah! But yeah, so we saw we met a lot of fans, and one thing that was great about meeting both the gentleman Jack and Killing Eve fans was that everyone was so passionate about the situation. Yes. It was like making new best friends. You're like, remember that one time, Ann Lister? <laughs> remember that one time, Villanelle? And you're just shooting the shit. And it was such a such a fun time. Made a lot of great connections. Unfortunately, you were not able to make it through on Sunday. And you missed some very special visitors. Yes, I'm still angry about that. <laughs> you can do I'm your mini so, vent. So sorry. <laughs> yeah, you there were a like, lot of angry messages. Yes, into this, into there was a, a restaurant emergency. And I'm like, but I have an event. I was dressed for an event. And I was like... I need to be able to leave early so I could go and get to my event. But no, it wasn't in the cards. And I was like, yes, feverishly messaging at the event, making sure everybody was okay. The videos were being taken. I wanted to be there, you guys. I wanted to be there so bad for Sunday. And then I get a message that says there were visitors at the table. Yes. Listeners all the way from motherfucking Germany. Now, how would... Just, <laughs> How would, how I'm not even laughing. I, I understand am. your trauma. You're still upset am. about it. Yes. Like, I almost don't want to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> and tomorrow has nothing to do with last week. 
I know. It's upsetting. I'm still kind of in shock about it. But yeah, we want to give a special shout the fuck out to Caitlin and Emily, who came all the way to motherfucking FlameCon, took a motherfucking detour from their het engagement, their very het wedding that they went to, to come see our fucking ridiculous asses. Here's hoping you had a lot of fun seeing all the cosplay, all the queer representation. Here's hoping you lit that motherfucking candle of our patron saint of thirst that you bought. I'm so fucking thrilled that they got that. I am filled with grubbling love to know that somewhere across the motherfucking ocean in Germany, two lovely, lovely people have lit and carried the patron saint of thirst over yonder to another continent. And I just love you guys for it. (sighs) Made inspire many grubbles, not just for you, but for anyone in proximity of the vapors. Because that's the idea of the candles that the vapors can spread. I don't know why I keep saying vapors like that, but it's so they can keep spreading across yonder, across ocean to ocean. And if you'd like to to participate in our vapors agenda, (laughs) (laughs) shortly there will be some... Also known as the gay agenda. uh, Yes, might be also known as the gay agenda. Shortly there will be links available. You'll be able to go to the site and pick up one of these lovely candles amongst other things that we keep saying are in the works. It's fucked up. It's (laughs) fucked up. Terrence knows I make a lot of I make a lot of shit. Okay, here's the thing. I'll explain myself really quick. Is that I really enjoy crafting and making stuff in general. And so if I'm not making something that requires a saw or hammers and nails in like large form or tinkering on something electronic, I just, I like to craft other types of things. Like any type of making or DIY I'm into. And I think ever since I was a kid, I was trying to track back my root, like, you know, like um, from, but I'm not a cheerleader. And I really, I think it kind of goes to these, these, these memberships my mom used to have for me when I was a kid, like wholesome ass memberships. Like here's this membership to National Geographic, learn about the animals going extinct. Here's this thing to this fucking wholesome ass VHS thing where you get a fucking wholesome ass film every week. And here's the scholastic shit where you get the books you wanted, fucking Babysitter's Club, motherfucking Fair Street, whatever. And just the idea of like stuff that is in whatever fandom or thing I'm into, whatever nerdy thing I'm into, like you see fucking studio like I haven't stopped and I'm always upset that there's not enough shit like I'm still waiting still waiting for my Captain Giorgio stuff from Star Trek Discovery because no one wants me no one wants me to have fucking fun and so what has happened here as Terrence and other other people other friends in our lives know is that starting from Killing Eve continuing Gentleman Jack I think of things and then I just fucking make it because I have the capabilities to in the studio sweaters hoodies socks lots of socks I yeah, lots and lots of socks and stuff. And maybe some of you bitches actually want some of it besides the people who are just direct in direct proximity. They're like, give me that fucking swag. I need it. And so the candle, along with many of these other ridiculous fucking things, are going to go online. But primarily, we think they're going to end up in a Patreon because some of it is so ridiculous that we actually have no real want to sell it. We just kind of want people to have it. But yeah. how do we do that in a way that makes sense fiscally? <laughs> like, how do we how do we just not have people yelling at us? And so a few of you have been reaching out and God bless your your generous little souls because I don't understand you people. But you've been asking how what are ways that you can give us coinage or like a tip. And I don't, again, do you understand what's happening here, Terrence? I, I <laughs> guess it's it's wanting to support the thing that you want more of and hoping that these little funds will help get it, get more of what 
Okay. You love. I mean, it sounds like, it sounds, people have been trying to explain to me. I'm just like, oh my God. I'm just bad in general around these types of things. It's, it's just not, it's not in my skill set. I feel like I have a lot of skills, a lot of things I can bring to the table. Dealing with, with finances. Yeah, that's. That doesn't involve me just giving it away is not within my wheelhouse of stuff I'm comfortable with. But so in that respect, we have been toiling as, as it, as it, (laughs) this took a lot of brain energy guys, but, um, so we came up with, what is that? One, two, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis. That's not six. I can't count. And yes, that's uh, basically the, it's, let's see. It's, how do you, how do we, it's I don't know how to do this. We suck. It's just like our social needs. It's really bad. It's really fucking bad. Wow. All right. You know, give me like a car to fix or something, not wares to hawk with money. Cause this, this is where we need like an intern or someone to just come in and like just to be pretend us like I'm standing in for Candace and Terrence in this moment. So let me tell you about the Patreon at the five dollar level. Right. Me a quit. Here's what we have. <laughs> yeah, that, that uh, would be. Bitch. OK, look, so um, this is real bad. This is this is what they call a crash and burn live in recording. And we're still going to let y'all hear this It's ridiculous. Near queer. No, that's that's a lie. Near Nape. You got me Near fucked up. Nape. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like. People should read these descriptions. Holy crap. Is that, is that, that the is, rain coming back down? The what rain. the fuck is and going the sound on? Of the rain <laughs> against my window pane. Slowly, <laughs> slowly driving me insane. insane. Baby, I'm going down. That's no. going to be us for episode four. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, oh, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> in more ways than one. I am excited. In more ways than one. Hey guys, so that quickly turned into a hurricane. So we bring this quick re-recorded announcement to you now. I just, yo. <laughs> out here reliving some of the best shit of Gentleman Jack. I like that the comments are here. I'm still waiting for somebody to talk dirty to me, like Ann Lister. I think I've explained to you. Let me tell you about these hay pennies. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Bitch. Is that on? Where did you find that video? This is YouTube. I don't know if this was like a a crack to be. I don't know. It said the memes are so accurate. Where are the memes? Oh, the memes are the video. And yeah, all those. I don't know how to do math, but I just know that I love what Ann Lister is saying. Again, I mean, if they gave out mini Emmys for like those mini performances, Saran Jones deserves all the Emmys for all the big dick energy in the goddamn Cole scene. The way she's sitting in the chair, the look on her face. Again, the yes. dirt, the dirt upon thine skin. But it's like hot dirt, hot dirt. She's things. like, hey, I was just pulling some uh, shrubs. <laughs> I was just pulling some shrubs doing man's work because you can see I'm a little bit sweaty. But let me school you on money and my coals. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> Well, friends, uh, this is this is a re-recorded interlude because, as you might have heard, perhaps that there was rain. Like there was really the intense sound rain. Of that rain. Sound of the rain. rain. Gives the window pane. <laughs> Slowly driving me insane. Oh, baby, I'm going down. So that's Ann Lister. That's Ann Lister to Ann Walker. You can, you can go down anytime. <gasps> you Any, are oops. playing 
with fire. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm mad you brought that fucking joke back. Unbelievable. So we were recording this little bit where we were trying to talk about Patreon levels. And I blamed the drinks on the previous night that we tried to record. We were like, totally, no one will hear that rain, even though there was a verifiable hurricane. <laughs> I mean, it was an intense storm. But I mean, I, I turned to look at the monitor and I was like, I don't, it doesn't look like it's registering. But I guess, you know, we had to zoom we, out. Yeah, we blamed the brandy. <laughs> and yeah, we were just confused. And so, yeah, we had mentioned that we were going to try to do a Patreon because you ridiculous, some of you ridiculous listeners out there expressed your interest in wanting to give us the dollars, even though we, we don't really know how to do this. It's weird, but we want to give y'all stuff. And this seems like a great way to motherfucking do it. And so in the brain destroyed clip, we were talking about our levels that we have. Would you like to tell them of the first level? Oh, okay. So it looks like the first level is... Uh, near Nape. <laughs> what? what? Sorry. <laughs> Just jump right into it. Like yeah. I'm Lister. No. Um, yes, it's near Nape. Near Nape. You guys know what that is. We have these little fucking blurbs, which I guess you guys will see online, but we could try to read them here. And so near Nape, it's like, hello, friend. Let's get cozy. You're near Nape and it's real nice. Good Lord. <laughs> there, go my, <laughs> there go my petticoats. This tea gets you access to much of our unfiltered randomness. That includes most of the ridiculous things we say that end up cut from the final edits of our episodes, inspired character playlist, and general ponderings on misandry and life as it pertains to our favorite Regency era lesbians and Lista and Anne Walker. Plus, you know, we're usually in the studio after dawn. So we thank you for personally contributing a coffee and energy drink to I and Terrence, respectively. Yes. And the next level we have after that, it's one of my favorite words to say. Since discovering uh, all this endless of goodness in Gentleman Jack. Hmm. The next level is called grubbling. Grubbling. <laughs> grubbling. Grubbling, grubbling. It is. And that, what is that? Um, well, you know what? Let me just read the blurb we wrote. And it's like, okay, level two. What's this? Looks like complete petticoat destruction. So you like us. You really like us. Surely you must or you wouldn't be spending money on us like you do. And to show our gratitude for your thirst, in addition to the perks included in tier one, Grubbling gets you access to our rabid fangirling once a month, where we will be watching an episode of Gentleman Jack with y'all live and... I don't know in color, but basically you'll be able to, there's an app that we will be using and we can all be in the same sort of like virtual space and you can hear us and perhaps see us. That depends on streaming conditions at the time. And then we can all just like fangirl over the delicious journey of thirst for our favorite ladies. If you care, if you want to do that, that's something that we will do and we think it could be fucking fun. Oh yeah. And if you're not able to make whatever time and schedule we do that at, we'll be uploading it for you to see because friends that grubble together, stay together. That's our motto. Indeed. And also, because we're more than a little excited, did you notice our petticoats? Uh, that you've opted for this level. This reward also includes stickers, copious, ridiculous stickers, monthly, and a monthly themed pin. You know, we make them, we make a lot of them all the time, and somebody else should have them besides us. So the next level. <laughs> so shillings. Is it, are we at shillings? It's it's, well, you know. <laughs> we're somewhere. 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 Uh, the next level is near queer. Near queer. Y'all know what that means. And our description for this one says, you're doing yourself harm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, really. There's a whole lot of pence and hay pennies. But since you want to be out here spending money like you have Ann Walker's inheritance, we have more rewards for you to enjoy. So in addition to all the perks included in tiers one and two, when you're near queer, you get access to everything. Pun fully intended. That means the completely unfiltered segments that are cut from the episodes 
because the other tier maybe it's just like five minutes because again they're long i don't really know how this yeah, is gonna work we, out we cut like sometimes like, it's a yeah it's a lot it's a lot of, it's, a lot, it's a lot it's a lot a lot um any potential video posts will go here and potentially only here because again we're introverts and we don't you know it's not, we're not trying yeah so maybe um they will go elsewhere like instagram or they will just live on the patreon and also new merch ideas we come up with ridiculous ideas all the time that you know if you want to give some feedback or really this is a great way for us to give away stuff and so initially we had the idea of just like giving away t-shirts and hoodies on tiers but then we were like the international people uh, that could be problematic so instead if you decide to be ridiculous and come in on this tier we're going to do giveaways every month uh, multiple giveaways that could be a hoodie shirt pair of socks or whatever if there's just like three of you bitches uh in there it'll just be like y'all three yeah (laughs) switching up who gets a motherfucking shirt or a hoodie or whatever the fuck um each month but yeah it's like we want to do like loot crate for your podcast. Yes. But uh, we're trying to find ways to make that feasible for you all. So, yeah, that's basically it. Um, we try to have some fun with the price numbers to reference our favorite maths that are done on the show. 226 pounds, 17 shillings, six pence. Mm-hmm. Thorpe's per colf. <laughs> Petticoats destroyed. Again, friends, I will never, ever be over that scene. It was amazing. Oh, shit. You know what I forgot to add about Vnia Queer is that outside of private merch giveaways and all that stuff, um, voting on what the fuck we do next here. Also, potentially me rambling endlessly about Mariana for anyone who might give a fuck here, especially, you know, if you guys want to hear some rambles prior to us getting to the episode, because we got some weeks left. I was going to say, I've only seen Mariana like once. I know, I know, (laughs) but there's so much to say. I gave another TED Talk yesterday and actually I had this whole idea because... You know, I just I find way too many times during the day to talk about something connected to Ann Lister. But I was talking to a friend about Mariana and about my desire, because even though I give Mariana a lot of shit, I still find her intriguing and interesting and things. And I actually would love a series because Mariana, I will say this spoilers, no spoilers. Mariana outlives Ann Lister. And so I'm kind of intrigued. Like, I see this as like a a Dame Judi Dench type of role or Helen Mirren in terms of like Mariana, older Mariana, living on this planet without and Lister in her life anymore. And those those usual grubbles that she was getting for literally 20 years and the impact of that and what could potentially happen. And honestly, I have a whole plot and things that I could say. Not going to waste fucking time on this podcast, but shit like that can live on the Patreon. My ridiculous rambles where these things are concerned because I truly can go on and on. Um, and I think you'll be able to go on and on once you know what the fuck I'm talking about. But yeah. So yes, that was at the near queer level. So, oh, you know what? I should also mention the, the library trip today real quick since we are technically recording this edition after the weekend. Well, so we recorded this nightcap that's posting prior to the weekend, but the weekend has passed and we're recording this new piece. And um, you guys, I decided to look for the book that is really hard to find. Maybe you guys are aware that it's out there, but it's basically, it's a book that was published in 1992. And if you guys have been on the hunt for all the endless of relevant books like I have, you are aware that this book is pretty much impossible to find for purchase anywhere. And it is the the book entitled Miss Lister of Shibden Hall, Selected Letters from 1800 to 1840. And it was cobbled together by Muriel M. Green, published in 1992. I assume only one run of prints, which is probably why it's so hard to find. And it just like occurred to me in a beam of light. And I'm like, bitch, you love the library. Why did it take so long for you to think of the fucking library? But it was there. I found one in Germany and I'm not there. We have some lovely listeners that are in Germany, but we're not 
not in Germany. And then there was one in the research center at the New York Public Library because we have one of the best library systems in the world. And I remember that. I went and bitch, it was there because no jaunty gays had checked it out yet. So I currently have the hold for a week. But I did go in and I was laughing at stuff and reading letters. And I can't even tell you the joy that I had in reading Ann Walker's letter. And you guys, when we get to that episode where it is fucking relevant for me to talk about Ann Walker's I'm going to squeal and scream, but maybe this Patreon can take some of my screaming prior to us getting there because I have things to motherfucking say. I will say that. I don't know if you saw what was on the Instagram, but this is one of the chapters. <laughs> oh, oh, so this is, oh, oh. <laughs> so this, my, is, um, <laughs> this is translated. Oh, well, yes. Look at the, loca- <laughs> look at the location that N and Lister is writing this letter I'm from. Just, Would you read it aloud for the folks wait. who have not followed us on Instagram? Wait. Well, draft letter to Miss Mariana Long. Don't get distracted by her drafting okay, letter to sorry. Mariana. Although, although this letter tickles me. The location hmm. of, of where she's writing from. Oh, let's see. Oh, wait, wait. I'm seeing here. Uh, well, that's the name of the book. There's an arrow. Oh, oh, <laughs> got it. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Right. <laughs> sorry. Uh, the land of tongues and mountains? <laughs> yes. So... that was chapter 17 and it was called the land of tongues and mountains and i could have gotten booted from the library because the the devilish snicker that i let out when i read that was like that's gay and that's potentially the gayest place they went i just i had a a a laugh about it (laughs) that they were literally in a place called the land of tongues and mountains i hope that the ands laughed about that in a moment but so you guys i sped read about three quarters of that book but i did do my due diligence in taking some scans and photos of of it so I could share with you guys what I found in there, which was some delicious, some lovely goodies, some Analista goodies, some Ann Walker goodies. I'm thinking a lot of this shit could live on the Patreon too, because it's, I mean, gosh, there's always so much to be said. But for those of you who might've been curious about this book, who cannot get your hands on it, cannot find it, I read it and uh, I'm excited to talk about it. I add it to my list of books. What am I at? Nine, 10 now? Something, <laughs> something for Ann Lister. But I was super excited to get it. And um, en route to the library, you know, I was on the, the subway, man spreading as I'm known to do, to reclaim my space from the men. <laughs> and I got a knowing look across the train from a gay. And I know they were a gay because it was a knowing look because I had on my Obey a Thirst and uh, mm. Grubble and Lister Crypt because of course I had to go read these letters in swag. And the knowing look said, I noticed that Lister text. And I was like, <laughs> Like, that must be a list of sister to quote that uh, beautiful editorial we read not so long ago. And so didn't have a conversation, but it was just that, you know, it's like the new, um, I don't know, you're a wanker number nine or just something like, like, how roll the lesbians? Like, you just know, like, there's another queer. Okay, yes. I spot you in the wild. You know what Harold, I'm doing. There's you know, a lesbians. <laughs> They're lesbians, Harold. Yeah, I was tickled that that happened, that someone recognized the Lister Crypt hand on my way to the library. And also with my friend who was also dress and obey your thirst. I wish I could have brought a candle and lit it while I read the letters to truly be, but I think they would have kicked me out of the research. So like Candace, um, this is, this is where the important books are. You can't fucking do this shit. So shout out to the New York fucking public library system for having this goddamn book and letting me continue my, my research of Ann Lister and Ann Walker. And, uh, I will say that I also jaunted through the library very fast in Ann Lister spirit. Cause I felt like I had to. So yeah, that is, um, this, Mini announcement, re-announcement, redoing thing that we're putting in the middle of this motherfucking nightcap. Is there anything else that you wanted to add before before we return to our regularly scheduled programming? Oh, just that we can't wait to see uh, how everyone will. Wait, I lost it. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. Just that. I can't wait to see how everyone will uh, pretty much. Uh, why am I not? I can't say it right. 
for it. Can't say it right. Only because I'm, I'm fairly certain that a number of our listeners are already beyond me, at least. They are beyond you. Right. They are beyond so you. So I can't wait to see who's going to uh, partake in some of these... Uh, uh, oh my the patreon rumbles the tears yeah Indeed. only because I have so much like to say i need yeah. to talk about it <laughs> and i can't wait to we finally get to, well eventually I mean, oh I'm my god rush, you just but. reminded me of the what we posted to insta because my sister and this is partly her like being extra over the fact that i met the actress playing bill quiz uh just oozing misandry but like aphrodite and all this fucking shit and you know i sent her a picture in the text like abby look <laughs> and she fucking <laughs> between the fact that i guess you know she was like we haven't hung out in like it's been too many weeks since we haven't hung out and i'm upset in my feelings especially because i was working so she put up a post that was like i'm looking for a new big sister since my old one abandoned me must be a nerd, must be a feminist, must be an Amazon. Thanks. And I'm like, I see the way you're shading me, but also complimenting me at the same time because, well. But she was upset because that was her first initial response to me being like, look who I met. Look who I had a chat with. She was like, oh, okay, so is that your new sister? She was in her feels. I posted on the Insta saying, hopefully our listeners are more genteel than my sister because she's definitely the Marion to my Anne. Not as ridiculous, but if we're gonna if we're going to compare melodrama, yes, yes, she is my Marion. She is the Marion to my <laughs> Anne, so... Guys, sorry that this nightcap is a bit a few days late. We're trying to get on a regular schedule. What that is, we still aren't. We don't sure. know what that is. It's yet. been a it's been a hot girl summer. Like it's been busy, yeah. hectic, stressful. We, we are in the crux of back to school for a lot of our uh, college goers and instructors. So. We're also, you know, working on a lot of uh, other queer content behind the scenes. Some of it fictional. And um, requiring a lot of our, our time and concentration and stuff. And just life and stuff. So we're sorry, but we're so glad that you guys are still here listening and engaging and stuff. Um, is that it? Are we? <laughs> I, think, uh, I, think, I think I covered it all. Uh, yeah, we, we might have done the thing. How will this fit back in? <laughs> um, and now we'll take you back to your regularly scheduled nightcap. Sorry this has been fucking weird. We love you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Should I we said we were gonna mention our, our prayer that is on the, the Anwaka oh, candle. Yes. Patron Saint of Thirst. If you guys haven't seen it on the Instagram, we have posted pictures of our patron Saint of Thirst candle. Homage to Miss Anwaka. May her legend of thirst never be forgotten. And the prayer goes. Oh parched patron, goddess of thirst, I beseech thee. Do grant for me this day the blessing of thy thirst. Let me be a vessel for thy vapors of desire. Strengthen me in mine own grubble pursuits. Establish in me the virtues of thirstiness and guard me during this endeavor so that I may vanquish the haters and attain the glory of the O everlasting. Good Lord. I <laughs> love it. Light one before you grubble. If you, <laughs> if you dare, if you dare, because it might, it might lead to really inspired grubbles. And I just don't know. Do I want to be if everybody can room? handle that? When Saran Jones reads this prayer aloud, do I want to be in the room? Do I do I just want to watch it on the screen? I want um, to watch someone have Saran Jones thus. That's this a candle? mini dream. That's a mini dream. Just, if I could just have confirmation and proof that either Sophie Rundle or Saran Jones or Sally Wainwright has oh, read hey, the Sally. candle prayer. And to be fair, we did not put the prayer on Insta, so we have to do that to give ourselves the opportunity for them to see the prayer. Or just, you know, I'll take anybody. Joe Lennington, Ann Shoma, Helena Whitbread. What you girls think about this thirsty prayer? Because it's time to canonize our gay saint, and we've done it. Yes. We've decided to take the initiative, and it's happened, and it's done. 
And if you guys want one, hey, check online. Because everyone needs a little bit of Ann Walker's thirst in their life. Speaking of Ann Walker, you totally forgot to remind me in our last recording to mention the message we got on Tumblr from a medically informed, intelligent listener who had some ponderings. Yeah, comments, ponderings about our theory that I mentioned, I guess... I don't know which episode now, but about Ann Walker's back and what that could have things to do with. Yeah, the theory about Dr. Kenny being a hack. That theory. Motherfucker, he is such a fucking hack. So a special motherfucking shout out to Please Return to Villanelle for this wonderful message you sent us a couple of weeks ago. Apologies that we were just now getting to it, but you've seen the, you've seen the post and schedule. So, <laughs> you know, we've been fucked up. Okay, so Please Return to Villanelle writes... Hey guys, thanks for the shout out. Hope you like the review. It's from the heart. Thank you. She adds, "We you brought up Ann Walker's ailments in the past episode, and I wanted to share some thoughts to support the theory that Dr. Kenny is the absolute worst. Yes. Actuals and factuals. She continues, I am a clinical pharmacist currently in residency training. Unfortunately, I'm unable to read through the Enlister diaries during residency, so please correct me if any of this information is inaccurate. In my opinion, you were spot on with diagnosing Ann Walker's back pain. Not Dr. Kenny. Based on what the show depicts, it seems like a herniated disc, pinched nerve, or a combination of both. Spinal injuries such as herniated disc can occur from consistent horseback riding, and I would imagine a similar spinal impact is involved with carriage riding on unpaved roads. Here are some remarks from a spinal surgeon that specializes in these injuries. She sent us a link to a medical page from a Dr. Stefano Sinecropi. I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. With locations throughout the Twin Cities, if anyone's interested. And this article details spine injuries from horseback riding. And it reads, horseback riding comes in many forms, from leisure riding to professional horse showing competitions to horse racing. All types of horse racing can lead to spine conditions and injuries, whether from an acute accident or a repetitive stress injury that builds over time. It says that the act of riding a horse is very hard on the spine. As a horse gallops, the rider is subjected to an up and down motion that puts pressure on the spine. This repetitive stress can build up over time and result in spinal conditions like herniated discs or osteoarthritis. Horseback riding can also lead to acute spinal injuries from a single accident. Falling off of a horse is particularly dangerous. These spinal cord injuries must be diagnosed and treated immediately to prevent any potential paralysis. If you are an avid horseback rider experiencing back pain, make an appointment with a spine doctor to examine your condition and make a plan for treatment. Well, sir, I have not been riding horses lately, though I have my own little herniated problem. I do. I did flash back to when I was a wee one, and my mom, <laughs> my mom sent me to basically like a dude ranch. You know, she was like, "Get some culture, ride a horse, get out of the city, and see some grass." And I did. And I was in one of those situations where my horse decided to do its own thing. Oh no! And take me yonder, yonder. Yeah. So that happened. Well, let me go back to this message. And so after giving that link, she continues, nerve pain is something that lacks clinical research in general and would have been poorly understood in the 1800s. So it's not entirely Dr. Kenny's fault. He missed the mark. However, oogling Anne, rubbing her wrist and gossiping about her while she's in the room was not going to get him anywhere close to diagnosis. Girl, who are you, right. who are you telling? This is why people are Ugh. sick of watching him. In the why are we sick of Dr. Kenny? Additionally, she adds, it is plausible that her back pain was exacerbated by her menstrual cycle, which gives credit to Aunt Anne's comments to Dr. Kenny. Here's a brief study looking at 50 women with a similar back injury to Anne's touching on this topic. So in this link, we have a study talking about lower back pain and sciatica related with the premenstrual period in patients with 
lumbar disc herniation. I'm not going to go into the rudimentary specifics of this medical article. Y'all already know. I mentioned I like reading fucking nerdy shit like this. If you too like reading nerdy shit like this and we just want to add some information to your arsenal of stuff, we will link this in the show notes. But yes, so there are studies that have been done that link lower back pain to premenstrual issues and of course menstrual cycle issues which I'm sure plenty of ladies out there know that the shit can get pretty fucking dire endometriosis is real yeah and the last bit of her message here adds thanks to science a foreign concept to Dr. Kenny we know a bit more about how to treat nerve pain and amazingly none of the treatments involve taking a trip Sorry, not sorry, Dr. Kenny. The medical treatment most applicable to Anne would have been the use of low-dose antidepressants and mood-stabilizing agents. This modality struck me as a great method to help Anne's mental and physical sufferings. Here's a brief overview from Harvard that explains this. And girl, I just, I feel like you heard me, you know, on that episode where I was like, I like to read medical papers. I just do it in my free time. I just like to know what's going on. Where you're like, here's link after link after link. So you can verify and make sure what the fuck I'm saying is what the fuck is what's happening. And I appreciate you for that. Oh, yes. I did read that whole Harvard link. I won't bore you guys to death with it. We'll just link it in the show notes if you're interested. She ends with Harvard is a school that trains people how to be medical doctors and not provincial quacks. But Dr. Kenny would know anything about that. In summary, fuck you, Dr. Kenny. Stick to glanded horses. And um, I, I think I speak for both of us when I say we agree. And thank you. Doing the Lord's work, Dr. Theora. Because she signs it, your friendly hospital pharmacist, Dr. Theora. Bless you. I was about to say, where's my my master list of fabulous gays who work in medicine? Like, how do I default to the to the queers? Is there a way? Is it listed on the health insurance plan? No, not yet. Uh, not yet. I'd like to vote for it. Okay. Any other random announcements out here? Uh, not that I can can think of. Do 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 do. I feel like we said everything we were gonna say. Oh, I just ran into Brie Larson's thirst trap again on Instagram. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Any Brie Larson? <laughs> she works hard for the money. For those pull-ups. Any Brie Larson fans out there? Captain Marvel. Check her Insta. She's doing pull-ups again. Anyway, um, so are we on to our official nightcap coverage? I don't even know how long this intro is, but we, I guess, are on to our next segment of the nightcap, which is diary entries, or should we first do the script thing, since we have that as an option now? Ah, uh, yes. So much... Much thanks for uh, the listener who decided to bring the... Oh, yeah. We, we bigged him up last time. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah she, she hooked sure. us up. And of House Thirst, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. And with the, with the E. With the E in the, in the parentheses, parentheses. Because she understands facts about mutual degrees of thirstiness. You don't crush paper knives if you're not thirsty. So which shall we endeavor? I guess we can look for journal entries only because there were some we were gonna read but didn't read. But we're... I don't think that's the case. I think I read too many. You were like, Candace, what? And I was like, but it applies. Like when she was calling on on Tan Walker. And it technically did not apply till episode three. But I just threw it in there anyway because I fucking felt like it. So we're going straight to the entries. You say, fuck the script breakdown. Fuck all that. Let's go to the entries. We could go. We could return. We could double back for the script. It's just there's a lot of entries. I'm trying to figure out. Oh, what so is. then. I mean, it's not. I mean, it is. It is a lot of entries. Well, because like I said, it's like what happens in episode three is stretched apart a number of days and things and things in real life. Um, the real life schedule of Anne Lister's jaunting to find a wife. But I'm majorly pulling from 
Nature's Domain by Joe Liddington and The Real Gentleman Jack by Anne Shoma for these specific parts. Because, you know, I got to talk about how Anne feels thirsty. Anne is a bit man keen. But that's all that's all down to the thirst. That's all. Mm. That's the power of Miss Walker's thirst is that she's like, oh, you're not, it's not, are you not an innocent little version of flower? As I once thought you were, because look at all this desire coming off you. Surely a man keen. And that mm-hmm. just tickles the shit out of me. But in the script, we discovered, or I guess I discovered, because you haven't checked them out yet, that there were a number of things in the scripts that did not make it, as you might expect, to the final cut, because artisans make decisions, filmmakers make decisions. While they're doing things, we're in the cutting room, and they decide, okay, that's not going to work anymore. So there were some interesting tidbits to be found that were cut out that I'm like, oh, what? Just like knowing that that was once an option. Have we decided? <laughs> I don't know. We could do the scripts. I'm just, I was curious as to where the first anomaly was in which scene. The first anomaly. This kiss, this kiss. Who sang that song? That's Faith, Faith Hill. Hill. <laughs> Lord. What the fuck is up with my brain? That was I blame all, my, the all my vocabulary words <laughs> in that song. Okay, but you also knew right exactly who it was. So yes. you're right there with me. It's centrifugal it motion. <laughs> it's perpetual, perpetual bliss. It's that pivotal moment. It's untouchable. <laughs> yes. Kiss, kiss. Wasn't that in a movie? Was it Practical Magic? Um, wait. That, wait. Wait. Is that um, was Sandra it? Bullock and yes, uh, Nicole yes, Kidman? Yes, Nicole Kidman. And evidently they're making a prequel Your blood, of the aunties in the my 60s. Blood. Our blood. blood. That was a misandry Woo. film. <laughs> that was a misandry film. I fucking love that time. film. time. Okay, <laughs> that's my fault for randomly singing Faith Hill, but I was singing the Von Trapp family earlier, so I'm just, I'm in a way. Von but then Trapp, you started talking about Janelle Monae's pop-up yeah. and her being drunk in Brooklyn, and I was like, girl, what? Did, I mean, what, what is if, going, you, if we know for why, sure it's going much. down. I work too much. I mean, the addresses, I'm just trying to figure out how to get there. You said it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. I'm going to find a way. Mm. I feel like it was Delia... Ross and go well that, that is how we begin the episode with them uh silently making their way patiently waiting to be announced before they... <laughs> patiently yeah that's like, i mean so this script was 63 pages which fits for about a 60 minute episode <laughs> of content they just make some notes in you know before mrs stanfield oh there's an s Hey, looks like it was Lisa Stansfield. My bad. Mrs. Stansfield Rawson and Miss Delia Rawson. It makes a note that, you know, they heard the giggling and that they linger outside of the room for a moment. And Mrs. Stansfield and Delia, they exchange concerned looks with one another because those those lesbian giggles are indeed alarming. Like you said, too much joy, too much joy there. It does remark that James is like, yo, what the fuck, bitch? That's not, but can't really do anything because James is still a peon in relation to Mrs. Stansfield and Miss Delia. Oh, wait, he had an issue with them uh, exchanging glances with each other? I mean, he had an issue with them just running up into the shits. Like, right, like who invited you? Like you Why said, he only here? got one job. Right. One job, man. Why are you here? It mentions that they feigned surprise at discovering Ann Lister because they had every reason to imagine that Ann Lister would be there. <laughs> I'm glad we used feigned when we were talking about it because that 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 that's definitely what those actresses gave off or primarily the one playing Mrs. Stansfield. Kudos to you. <laughs> when they make a note about Delia, they're like, Delia's overwhelmed. When after Ann asks, how are you? It's like, Delia's, <laughs> Delia's overwhelmed. She heard scary stuff about Ann Lister. But if this is her, she's actually rather charming. Like, I'm just... 
You know what? I just don't have that Georgian energy of what these bitches talking about. Oh, Miss Lister, she's so scary. She the word but, is but, that but, but is when she... she's in private rooms with women, they make strange, erratic breathing noises and uh, yelping noises. It's almost as if she's murdering them. <laughs> murdering a part of them, but uh, let me keep my vulgar jokes. Oh, they do that in Stranger Things. It's like, oh, when Billy's with girls alone, they sometimes scream, but it's not a bad scream. <laughs> well. The good scream? What's a good scream? Oh. It's a, a scream of pleasure. Check out this writing bit by Sally. And Sally did have me cracking up with some of these, with some of these things Beware you put in here. Beware the vapors. I wish she had Beware the vapors. I feel like we should turn that into a shirt. So it's just like the inside joke between us and the listeners. Beware the vapors. Beware the vapors. Yeah, so there's a, a note here that's like, there's something about Ann Lister's penetrating look and her gentlemanly demeanor that Delia finds disarming, despite all the warnings she said. <laughs> yeah, we got all of that. We got the idea yeah, that that's what little I Delia messed her petticoat. It's a little smidge. She noticed my lips. <laughs> She's like, no one notices my lips. So that's pretty interesting, those little tidbits we get for the Rawson visit and... I feel like I have some stale night. Wait, stale night? That That's some time. <laughs> that's true. Actually, I'll read this note for the first kiss in the show meow. And because the note is a little bit different from what we see in the show, because we get that really slow work up towards the singular kiss that just alludes to what we'll be following for the next couple of hours. But in the script, it writes after Ann Walker is like, it doesn't frighten me. And Ann is like, really? Uh, the script notes... That Anne nods and that she gets up from tending the fire and goes to sit beside Anne, thirsty Anne. And then it says, increment by delicate increment, they end up kissing. It's so tender, so gentle. From the first tentative peck, it quickly becomes more and more passionate. Now it's happening. It's so clearly, so unambiguously what they both want. And Anne Walker feels more alive, parentheses, aroused, than she's ever felt before. Thanks for the parentheses of aroused. And thank you, Sophie Rundle, for communicating all of that energy in your performance. Yes, I was going to say that is what we were reading. That is what we were seeing. Yes. That is what we were feeling. That is why the petticoats were destroyed. But at least Ann Walker can afford to replace her petticoats. Because I think at this point, stop washing them. You know what I'm saying? Just <laughs> give them away to a peasant and let them do it. There was also a note that I liked in the script from after they get back from the Moss house. And it's after the line where Ann Walker says, I can't remember when I've spent so pleasant a day. And it reads, there's a real closeness between them now. It informs everything about them when we see them together. They behave, as Ann Lister wrote, like engaged lovers. <laughs> I believe we saw that on the screen. What do you I think? I agree with the finishing of each other's sentences hey, and the smiling the in the smiling, background. The standing up together. Yes. Come on. It's pre-Grubbles Grubbles. If I could get a quarter for every time a day I say Grubbles now, I just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could open up a gay library. Okay. Okay. So now, now we are at the stale night <laughs> because Ooh. you know, I was super curious as to what the notes were in the script, if any, about that scene. And, you know, so we have the, and closes the door behind her. So they have their usual privacy and, and Walker is like, well, and then tomorrow evening, would you like to come for dinner? And then, and it has in parentheses, bravely. Stay all night. <laughs> Yo! Bravely. That's huh? what I've been saying. Brave Bravely. as fuck for a baby gay. And then in the um the direction part, the narrational part, it says, her meaning is clear from her manner. Bed. <laughs> Bed sex. And then it's like, and Lister is amazed by how fast it's all happening, but it all feels right. She's aware. <laughs> <laughs> it all, it feels, all feels right. right. 
She's aware that she's awoken something powerful in Ann Walker. I don't think she's aware how powerful, considering how she's still taken aback by the passion later in this time. But yeah, she awoke some shit. That's for damn sure. And it says, you know, Ann Lister's like, are you sure? And that Ann nods and they kiss again, utterly delighted with one another. And then probably my favorite note of this part of the script is the note that says, several hours later. I mean, (laughs) because the sun went down. Yes, it's the sun's gone. And this is a this is a cut scene because this scene isn't fucking here. But like everything Sally has done with the fourth wall breaks, they're taken directly from inspired journal entries to help us understand where Anne Lister is at this moment in her courtship with Anne Walker. So after the note of several hours later in Shibden Valley at night, it says Anne's walking home in the dark, really dark and proper country silence. And she speaks straight to us. So breaking the fourth wall. And it reads, so I may try her or rather let her try me. And go to what lengths? I can see that if I stay all night, I shall have as much of her as I am able to take. I never dreamt of her being such a passionate little person. I just hope that I can nudge, nudge, wink, wink, do enough for her. Like, that's Sally. I just hope that I can. I feel like that's the goober in Sally. Like, she (laughs) put in parentheses, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, grubble, grubble. I mean, that's all that's missing. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, grubble, grubble. I hope I can do enough for her. Do Do you realize what she's saying? She's like, I hope my skills can rise to the level necessary to please Ann Walker. But with the, what the patriarchy is working with, that even if Ann Walker right. wasn't a motherfucking virgin, and no like, you have no worries, bitch. <laughs> Literally none. There's also another note here, which it actually, remember I mused on what I thought Ann could have been thinking in the last episode when Marion is like, whilst you're staying here. You could fucking right, and she's like, be less of a dick, I, whilst bitch, whilst right, she and so <laughs> definitely step back with that. One right, I was like, oh, maybe she's thinking about Ann Walker and sticking around longer. Well, in the scripts, they're like, no, it's because it's her fucking house, right? And Mary not here talking well, like it's her house here. Yes, I'm staying. That is Marion's energy, staying. telling people to lock up shop and stuff. She said, "How you gonna tell me to lock up my own shit, Mary?" Right. <laughs> So that's what that is. That's just owing to the ongoing sibling dispute they've had since Anne has inherited Shibden of just why. And let's argue about the inheritance. And I don't know, Marion's just going to have that consistent smoke, that consistent inheritance smoke for her sister. They also make a note in the scripts, which I did like to see. I mean, we already knew this, but it's just about how much Aunt, Auntie Anne Lista cares for her niece and it's in that scene of course when she comes home and she's like well i've had a pretty fantastic day feeling like things might go off with miss walker and her aunt is like yeah but 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 the patriarchy but 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 you're not a man and we're like no no but the note they have here is aunt Anne touches Anne's face she's so fond of her she loves her so much she can't stand the idea of people ridiculing her and hurting her and so that's something we definitely get from the actress Gemma playing aunt Anne is that that's that's it that if anything is foremost in her mind it is concerned for her niece and her feelings and the fact that it's a hard-ass world out here in Halifax with these gossiping motherfuckers yes and she just wants her to be okay and protected Probably my favorite bit, my favorite fucking bit from this script is what we were discussing about Low Pony and Lista from the gambling. Yes. In the with, the boarding house so with the reprobates from the breakfast, 35th. right? So breakfast um, and her sister calls her out on her reading at the table, shouting out all her exes. I'm sure you're not reading a book when you're with Mariana. Let me think of that fucking, <laughs> let me think of that, that DMX song. Shanta. 
Rhonda. Oh, yes. <laughs> Jaleesa. Lisa. About three cams. <laughs> Dinez and Jaleesa. Those might not be the names, but y'all, y'all fucking About three ands. <laughs> <laughs> About three ands. A Mary. And a fucking Anne again. No. Um, but yeah, so in the script, they tell us how old Anne is supposed to be in this flashback, which is basically what we wanted to know. And they say motherfucking 19 years old. Anne is a jaunty 19-year-old gambling with, and remember, her fucking dad is a motherfucking a soldier. Yeah. Um, but like up there, captain. And so he really wasn't feeling that shit. He's like, so not only are you here and drinking with some motherfucking reprobates, like you drinking with these low ass motherfucking reprobates, bitch. You're a lister. What are you doing? And so I'll read it really quick. It says 19 year old and smoking a chiru. Chim chimini, chim chimini, chim chim chiru. That's not. That's I don't not, feel like that's what. It could be actually. Chiru. A cigar with both ends open and untapered. That's what that a hard sounds to, messy. That sounds disgusting. But it sounds masculine. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> a shrew. It's okay. I actually tried my first cigar when I was technically in the double digits, but definitely not a teenager. Certainly not at the preteen level. My grandmother did it to me, and I'm pretty sure it was a tactic because it was an authentic Cuban, and she did not instruct me how to do it. And so do you want to know what happened afterwards? Upchuk. Oh, I yeah. did not feel very good after I was like, I'm going to smoke. And I it did. She did a very good job at keeping me away from the cigars until I was about 17. And then I got back into the habit of thinking they were kind of cool for a minute. I don't smoke cigars now. And technically, you don't actually you just kind of you just kind of look good with them. Right. But I had a total phase. It was it was a really intense phase where I was like, I'm going to these smoking bars. There's mostly dudes here. And yes, I have my little kit, my little cigar cutter and everything. I'm just fucking sit here and fucking smoke right on my goddamn notebook and uh, feel fancy. But it wasn't the same sort of like commitment of a cigarette where you actually are inhaling, inhaling that down. Right. And I would only ever do that if I was, you know, out and, you know, you're just out mingling with people and you just end up smoking a cigarette because other people are and you're like, I'm drunk. Give me that. That makes sense. But yeah, that's the only time. So Anne was smoking a cheroo, which is a cigar with both ends open and untapered and sitting at a table playing a tense card game mm -hmm. with six young army officers all in varied states of inebriation. Yes. The best, the best way to gamble. 19-year-old Anne is just putting a winning hand down. So you're uh -huh. right. You're right. <laughs> Take it all your money, bitch. Take it all your fucking money, you fucking hoes. You're not a gamble. When an angry senior officer burst in with an equally angry Jeremy Lister. Ooh. Oh, so it's a senior officer with Jeremy. Like, bitch, Anne, what the fuck? Anne's biggest instinct is to hide the cheroot under yes, the table. Yes. <laughs> That's all you can do when your parental units find you acting out. And you're like, oh shit, um, who me? I wasn't doing that. And then it's like back in the dining room, 1832. 41-year-old Anne doesn't like being reminded of her past <laughs> gold <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord, that was a while since. <laughs> I mean, technically it was 20 yeah, years. And yeah. your dad is being real petty for bringing up a 20-year-old fucking... You're like, damn, daddy? It's been 20 years, bitch. But, I mean, we said this already, but could we just get... Like, could someone... Would anyone endeavor to make us just a little thing of that version of Ann Lister, just teenage Ann Lister, fucking hanging around bad women and dudes, reprobates, you know, gambling and just doing those things that get you the fucking trouble. Matter of fact, what is the worst thing you did in 19? What is your Ann Lister moment? Or did you ever get caught? Okay, that's a better question. Did you ever get caught, caught doing a thing that you shouldn't have been doing as a teenager? Well, I mean, we could talk about me not understanding that the sundown meant it was time to stop doing things in general. Bitch, and maybe that's home a labor problem. Maybe we to sleep. 
I think we both have that problem. Oh man, at nineteen, curfews. Probably, what's that? Right. What <laughs> on earth is that? It's like, oh, someone's having an event. Oh, someone's having a, another event, and then an after hours. Oh, okay. Ow, okay. is that the sun? All right, oh. I need to take a shower <laughs> so that I can go to work at least smelling fresh. Oh, you got a shower at your house? Oh, okay, we go, we go over there. Should I change your clothes? So you stressed out your mama? Is that what you're saying? Uh, I'm going to say I stressed out my mama. I did. So you pulled an analyst up. Well, I mean, it feels like that's a lot of queer sentiment for a lot of people. Or at least half half the queers. Because that's my sentiment. I stressed out my mama. I really did. And I think that's why my baby sister did not. Like, she went the total opposite. Like, she saw all my trauma. She was like, wow, Kansas get in trouble every day. <laughs> every day. Every day mom's mad. And it's like you. It's just you get to the point where you're like, oh, shit. You're like, I could take that last train home. And I could be responsible. Or, or. I could stay out, have fun, grubble, and return after dawn and just take whatever comes with it. And that's what I, I got to the point where I was like, I'm okay dealing with the consequences of my mom waiting up and reaming me about life. And I was totally doing that before I was legally of age to drink, but I'm a legal drinker now, so I can totally admit those things. Did you ever, okay, does it ever happen to you where you got carded after you were legal, but you didn't get carded that when you were so illegal? Odd. What's up with that? I don't get that. That happened to me where I never had a problem. And I feel like once I got to 21, uh, technically like 24, 25, people were in my face like, give me, let me see your ID. But when I was in all the places I had no business being in, man, the first time I stepped foot into shelter, I was 17 and I saw people having suspended sex on the ceiling. I was like, well, look at this queer content. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I definitely had no business being in there i legally. miss artwork now as far as like physical displays of suspended art Just oh because brooklyn doesn't have any more because everything's too expensive yes everything's expensive and now when people go out i mean people aren't in cages anymore like that's all that was our generation it died with Yo, us no, they don't that do that anymore do, where do they do that at? do they still do that you're absolutely right because no that loft i was telling you about where i burnt my bed where there was like 17 people 13 to 17 depending on who was coupled up at the time you know there's a stage there's a trapeze there was printing press with all this artist shit but it was designed for artistic mayhem and expression at any time of the day and stuff like that it's nearly impossible to have exist now without some sort of corporate modus operandi or everyone in the loft has some other like actual serious corporate job an adult job you're like yeah. i'm out here working for a motherfucking company working for a goddamn studio whatever the fuck i'm not just out here being a, a wanton artist saying fuck the patriarchy and grumbling on wednesdays and tuesdays and thursdays fridays saturdays all the days i forget what question led me into that i feel like i was uh, going somewhere with the bridge of the I question we and i went the somewhere flashback, else and when we stepped out we were trying to figure oh, out right we what were, were what our, our comparable yeah. okay our comparable and flashback so yeah I guess, yeah, I did all those things that Anne would do, especially at that age where you just want to try stuff out because that was the age of like, where I was like, where are all the queer spots? Mm. Where are all the queer bars? The queer spaces? Where are the people? Where are they dancing? I must go. No one can stop me. Sorry, mom. So drunk junior soldiers gambling in various stages of inebriation. The women, which I- Where I, are the bad women? The women. Where they at? They were, they had to be into because- uh, even if they didn't know that the soldiers were low level, they were still soldiers. And it's, you know, you know, those soldiers were low level. <laughs> they were they were out here paying for women with pence. And I'm upset for those women. But at the same time, at the same time, that means poor little Ann Lister, who didn't have no money to herself, could have definitely afforded a bad woman. Yeah. And I'm I'm just going to say that there was a bad woman in there who was checking out Ann Lister and was like, would you would you look at that? What's uh, 
I think I have the best chance of catching an O here than with any of the men who are going to pay me for my wares. That's just my side fantasy. That's my fanfic that's writing its own self, you guys. Don't take it away from me. Please don't take it away from me. See, now that would make it an awkward moment if father Lister were to storm in and there was a loose woman. (laughs) (laughs) but should he be should he be surprised I mean well that happens to people too when your parents storm in on your little your your queer session and you're like oh dear well well that's uh, (laughs) all propriety has been lost (laughs) yeah with my mom it's over but yeah, so I forget. Did you say you smoked? Were you were were you were? were oh, did no, you I try just, to rebel with I just, smoking? I was allergic to getting home at a decent hour, like allergic. That. Me too. It was literally impossible for my adolescence to the point where obviously my mom has none of that energy left for my little brother because she don't give a fuck. And I'm like, is that the patriarchy, mom, or is that just you being older and tired? Because I'm trying to figure out how he can come in from his motherfucking frat party at three, four, five in the morning. She sleep. She is knocked out, Terrence. She is dreaming of, I don't know, clouds and, and, and jumping cows. And there's not a single concern in her life. Mm. Me, me, mm. I'm trying to creep in at 542. And, you know, you try to the creep door, but you get around the bend and there's my mom literally right there like, uh-huh. bitch, you're not, you're not getting past me, hoe. Where you been at? <laughs> um, out, yep. dancing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. making friends. Being really gay. <laughs> Do you like my outfit, though? <laughs> <laughs> This uh, scene is where we get the fight about uh, who's got actual rights to uh, Shibden Hall. Shibden Hall. Oh, with Marion. To the point where Marion, yes, threatens to oh, uh, conceive just to to have uh, <laughs> girl someone in the. That's the most hetero threat I've it, ever heard. It, it, I will have was. a baby. Oh, okay, it seems risky in eighteen thirty-two, <laughs> but yes, do you? Yes, and there are some notes to be said in the you know, in the diary entries and in the script of just like Marion being completely exasperated, which is interesting because I guess, I mean, I had highlighted an entry where it felt to me like Anne was being petty to see Marion off to Market Whedon. I just felt like that was extra. Like that was, you didn't have to be there to be like, uh, good day, sister. I hope you have a great time. Hope you hope you come back real soon. It felt petty to me. But in the book, The Real Gentleman Jack, they imply that Anne was trying to be from their interpretation that she was trying to be cordial, that she was trying to be, you know, a big person. And me, I'm like, I see petty. Well, I yes. see, like, you didn't have to see us just drop. And what is that even doing? I just see you being a petty motherfucker because y'all are sisters and this is the energy you guys have together. But Well, it's like, you know, Veers' wedding invitation where it's like, fuck you, but at the same time, I have to say <laughs> something because, you know, appearances, like, I have to do. This is a Are thing you going to re-up your do. drink? Am I alone in re-upping this drink? Oh, um, oh, did, did that happen? Did I miss look it? Look at how tall my drink is. It's just I don't have any ice in here. It. Anne actually refers to Marion as like hysterical. And that's how you know she's on that bias shit. Like, <laughs> like hysterical. Okay, Anne. One of the other things that I noticed in the scripts was another cutscene about Anne's crypt hand. It was another fourth wall break that happens just before Jeremiah Rawson is sitting with Captain Lister, keeping him company for Anne's thing. And they would have had Anne saying to the camera in this scene. Basically, well, it starts out with them saying that Anne writes her diary briskly she comes in to write in her diary we don't need to see the detail of what she writes we just need to capture her mood as she unloads her frustrations of the morning first marion then Soudan, onto paper scratching away at it with her nib and dunking the quill into the ink pot time and time again as she unburdens herself so a nice little montage of feverish writing 
And then it says, eventually she downs her pen and seems to come up for air and then notices that we're filming her. And she takes us into her confidence. And she would have said, what a comfort my journal is. I write in crypt hand. She shows us a bit of coded diary. This is in parentheses. All as it really is. And throw the burden of it off my mind onto the paper and get rid of it. Thank God for it. It always does me good. I can tell my journal what I can tell no one else. And I owe a good deal to it. It seems made over to a friend that hears it patiently, keeps it faithfully, and never forgets anything. Parentheses, a knock at the door. She smiles. You should try it, yes? Interesting. So definitely taking off like the diary entries but also her imploring you know the the audience to get into that shit i can see why if it was filmed that it wasn't used and it's mostly because it's very pwb pb waller bridge yes that all of our sapphic roads are interconnecting And it's a great way to nod to someone you enjoy and maybe hope will swing by for in that. I mean, these bitches from the same motherfucking area. Just be y'all. And actually, we're seeing that we're seeing that comparison a lot because people are like, "Oh, Gentleman Jack is breaking the fourth wall." Like Phoebe Waller Bridge is with Fleabag, and to be sure, Phoebe is not the first person to break the fourth wall. She's just the first person in a long time to do it really well. Like um, Ferris Bueller was a thing, you know. It was a thing. And uh, it's just that Phoebe's pretty awesome. She's like, she's on fire. She's untouchable right now. Phoebe Waller Bridge, should you ever hear this podcast, bitch, you have an open invitation to the Brooklyn studio. You can do whatever the fuck you want. And we oh, mean yeah. that. We mean it. Oh, yeah. Illegal? Not illegal? We won't tell. That that extension also goes to you, Sally. I don't know if you ever come out of motherfucking the UK to the United States, but that's an open invitation to you, too. We Just would love F-Y-Z. to have you. Malcolm in the Middle will probably be where everybody was getting it from. Oh. You know what? I didn't watch that show Heavy Heavy, but I watched it some. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like it was on sometimes, and I was like, oh, okay. But I was never like, oh, I need to watch Malcolm in the Middle. Right. So that was an interesting little thing of Anne talking about Cryptan to the audience that we didn't get. And anytime I'm reading the script and I see Sally's nudge, nudge, wink, 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 I just like, it makes me think of my mom. Or just like, you know, just like something a cute, adorable older adult would be like, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, grubble, grubbles. And it's here again. And it's in the part where we were in the Shomya and they're looking all romantic and Anne Walker's in the pink and the white lace sleeves and Anne Lister's explaining to her that Marion's on her bullshit. And so they have to delay some stuff. And so it's after the line where she She's like, but I will come to dinner and stay a little while if that's, you know, if that's, if that's, I have to ask, is that, is that okay? And then after that, it says, and then another time when the dust settled and soon we can, you know, that delivery. Do you know what it says in between there? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Like, yeah! Ah. Sally, that's adorable. How, (laughs) I just, it's in every fucking script. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, grubble, grubble. If I could just, I feel like I need to retype this and just add comma grubble, grubble for myself because that's what I keep saying out loud every time I read it. You see my note? It just says, oh, Sally, LOL. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what kind of direction could an Ann Walker give to her house staff to say and make arrangements for Enlista to stay the night? Like what kind of, you know how, because Anne Lister has the usual arrangements. Like she. <laughs> for, for motherfucking Mariana. I said, of course you brought up, of course you brought up Mariana. Of course you fucking brought up Mariana. But you're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Mariana was visiting for goddamn 17 years. And so she was liked accordingly. The usual arrangements. <laughs> the usual grubbling arrangements, please. And Corlin was like, yeah, well, I know how this goes. You guys always fighting at the end. But no, you're right. You're, um, wait, what was your question? It's, it's, well, what kind of, how would she be able to give, 
what would that be like? Her giving that Ann direction Walker, to Ann her Walker staff. got bread. And Walker's paid. She says, "Bitch, yo." My girl's coming over. Perhaps you've heard of a Miss Lista from Shipton Hold. Get the shit ready. Because when you got Ann Walker's 2,000 and a half a year, when, you, when you're paid like Ann Walker, do you really got to be nice? I mean, she's actually a nice person and a sweet and kind person, but she doesn't have to have that nice energy when right. she got the kind of bread that she does. We know that Ann is rude to pretty much all of her servants. I mean, the way she be kicking Eugenie out. <laughs> Ann talks to her servants like she has 2,000 and a half a year, which is what makes even for a greater contrast between the two of them. We also get some insight into the date, the dinner date prepping. It talks about Eugenie shaping Anne's hair. And in my head, I'm like, yo, Eugenie's the worst at hair because every time we see her in the show, she's doing the bare minimum with Anne's hair. I feel like the last time we saw Eugenie doing Anne's hair, Anne was having the flashback with, about fears. Yo, you're right. Yeah, she was. And that was, I shan't say no. Yeah, I was like, that's, that's so mean. It's wrong. So it has that in early evening as she's getting ready for her date. Oh, did the booth comes in, right? Where it's like a telegram from a telegram from a younger yes, Wilson. Yes, right. So before the telegram arrives, the action direction that's in the script says that in great contrast to Amy Soden's grubby little face. And apparently Amy is the name of, nah, I know. <laughs> I didn't know she was Amy. Now we know. Now we have a name for our little pants. Emmy winner. <laughs> I'm just saying. We got to do some sort of awards, but when we're done here for like best line, best whatever the fuck, best jaunty, which that's obviously going to Ann Lister, but just, just so we can have a little fun. Right. So it's like in great contrast to Amy Soudan's grubby little face and Sam's predicament, we find magnificent Ann Lister getting ready for her hot date with Miss Walker. Eugenie is just fastening Anne into a particularly elegant dress. Eugenie holds up Anne's expensive military-style greatcoat for her to slip her arms into. And then it says Anne checks herself out in the mirror. She looks particularly swashbuckling. And then the hat. And so they just make a, a point to say here that she is looking damn good. She's, she's on her jaunty trying to look extra good. They specify that she's got a military-style coat on. And that was the style I thought I saw, but I like it. I just, I do. It's like in this... It's nice. I got like an old little British looking motherfucking thing myself. It was for a party, but I like the cut. So do you think that the door was open for Annalista to be able to uh, play around with the boys in the military when she lost oh, her brother? Because Papa Lista was like, I'm screaming too loud. I'm sorry. I'll make a man <laughs> out, out of you. Because remember, she got shipped off. Mother was tired. And then here she comes and... The, you know, I guess she wanted some some father time or something, but she's here fighting in the war and nobody's I looking mean, at the sideways. Let's get down to business. <laughs> People who to defeat think, right the Huns. All right. Uh, 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 um, look, I'm sorry. What was the original question? I got no, lost no, no. into my I mean, Lister fantasy. Now thinking about the fact that she was gambling and winning against, right. I want to say fellow lesser soldiers. I feel like they were all like. Of course, they were the minions. Right. They were on some bullshit, including Ann Lister. So I mean, because she was uh, poor technically, but she they let her be a soldier. I mean, let's go with that because I, realistically, <laughs> realistically, she was not a soldier. But at the same time, look at what the fuck she was wearing. She right. was. She was. She had a rest on. She was definitely in those masculine wear. She was wearing her brace. She was wearing a motherfucking brace. And I just want to know what bad woman was in there and saw Anne from the back and was like, damn, Ooh. daddy, what right. the fuck? Right. And then she turns around, she's like, yes. And you're like, damn, daddy. Like, right. still my daddy, but hey, right. not what I expected. So, again, I don't know where you were going with this question. I don't know where I'm going with my answer. It's more I just like, feel like it's yes. I feel like 
if she was not a soldier. It feels like she has... She was hanging out with the soldiers, right? Yes. Well, we know that she tried on her brother's clothes, that they, you know, practiced things like shooting and sword fighting. And again, God, what I wouldn't give for a young Ed Lister. Look, I love everything about her and Ann Walker. I love the whole thing of the thing and the nuance and the beauty and the romance. I'm just saying that there's other parts of me that really deeply, intensely need to see Ed Lister as 19, swashbuckling, getting into trouble with bad women, gambling and taking the money of men. I mean, come yes. on. Come yeah. on! Jeez! It's, and even if it's... In the brace? If you want to have her be a little bit younger to before her brother passes, show me their relationship where I could see him egging yeah. her on to the point where, like, she's back from studies. And he's like, oh, you want, you want, you want to learn a soul fight? And then, you know, she's like, very novice with him. He's like, come on, I'm going to need you to fight like a girl. Like something like that where oh it's like... Oh my God. To, to sort of like spur her actions. Right. Yeah. God. That's why I play the fucking trumpet, man. In seventh grade, I had a a band teacher tell me that it wasn't feminine and that I should play the flute. And I wasn't even opposed to the flute, but in that moment, you know me and my stubbornness. Like immediately, I was like, fuck the flute! Which is why we read a couple episodes ago that, oh, the flute is supremely feminine or actually no we read that we read that the flute flute was was not feminine right right. and i was like what because i had that specifically said to me and he didn't realize i had that kind of you know baby jaunty energy in seventh grade where him saying that immediately i went home and i told my mother i was like i am not going to be an orchestra i'm going to be in band and i want to play the trumpet can we go see about renting me one right the fuck now? And I did. And that's and I can say that honestly and truly that my, my primary motivation for playing the trumpet wasn't jazz, which I eventually got into. It was because a, a dude told me I couldn't. I shan't because it was it was masculine. And I was like, oh, really? It's a masculine? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what we were saying. Oh, yeah. I just, we were, we were back at, oh, I just had a random thought about Anne Lister just being a soldier. She was getting dressed and she received her note. I right. I would just like to see it. I feel like Women she. Women in uniform. Yes. Can I have that? The only thing that's come close to it, and it was really pale. 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 Because of how the story wrapped up. And Are just you like, going to say Demi? Is that where you go? Uh, G.I.J.? Uh, yeah, I was just curious. I mean, I wasn't upset about Demi Moore doing those pull-ups when I was a baby, but uh, no. I was actually going to mention the L word because it's the only other real reference besides some sideshows I have for the involvement of a soldier woman who's queer. And she rode a motorcycle and all those things. And that kind of lines up with me now that I've been in the military, but I was in the Air Force ROTC and I was close to doing that. And so that's... I lost my train of thought. There it is. It, it went... No, no, no. You were looking for a reference with a woman... So right. queer coded. So that's all I have, actually. I don't know if you actually wait a minute. Brie wait a Lawson. minute. You just... Okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. Really. I was but... you're <laughs> Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> you're accurate to scream about Miss Brie Lawson, um, who plays Captain Marvel. But I was actually about to scream at it's not live action, but you showed me this before we started recording. The Utana. Yes. Utana, Revolutionary the... girl. Yo, why Utana. did you tell me the bitch got a wife in the first episode? That's all you that's episode. all you had to sell it. You all you had to say was, Candace, this hoe gets a wife in the first episode. And I, there was nothing else you had to say. I don't know what the fuck I was doing, clearly watching too much Xena in 1997 to miss this goddamn anime. I wasn't really watching anime at that time. So I fucked up. But at the same time, 
I see why I missed this because literally Xena was my universe. Oh, mm. well, you know, Xena and all, <laughs> Xena and all her exes. I don't know if I had time in my sapphic universe for other obsessions, but yeah, you need to send me a text right now. Candace, watch Utena right. when you uh, get when home I because I fucking love that. Anyone that gets a wife first episode, that's that's what I call high flying in you Holland cartoon style. <laughs> Were you about to? In my head, no, no, no. In my head, I'm thinking, would there be any entries about her finding out about Eugenie? Marriage to John. Like, no, not really. No, because it's all it fake be shit. There. Right, right. So there actually is a mention. There are some mentions of Eugenie in the entries we're going to cover today. But uh, all in relation to what I mentioned before, that she was talking to Mariana about getting this lady's maid. And with the intention of traveling with Eugenie, with Ann Walker in the future. Like, we're going off to travel and we need a bitch to, like, carry our stuff and do stuff. So all the musing we had for gambling and Lister. So now we have have more than one character where we're like, we want to see even if it's like a one shot, just something with Slice of Life in this age uh, the younger version of it was first Carolyn I'm Martin and and now it's it's oh Alyssa. Like, we, like she's been there, saved the world, this done that. Up. This is going back to my older lady kink a little bit because they both fit the thing. They, yeah. They're in the the thing. Yes. See, this is... I didn't know that I was going to be here as a as a person, as an adult, but it's happening. Because you look at all of my faves that I crushed on when I was a wee one. They're all like proper older ladies. And they've only gotten, like how we said, aged with a fine wine. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of Lucy Lawless. I'm thinking of Gina Torres. I'm thinking of Angela Bassett. I'm thinking of Scully. Oh, Gillian Anderson. Gillian Anderson. There's so many I could go through the list. And I, I'm i always wondering, like, why aren't they getting more work? <laughs> because right? they're the hottest they've ever been. But whatever. Hashtag the patriarchy. So I feel like all of us rebellious gays can relate to Low Pony and Lista. Those of us who broke the rules a little bit and have fun doing it. Except when we got caught, we were like, oh, um, hey, <laughs> oops. They do make a note in these script things, too, about like what we're saying about Anne, Anne Walker and her potpourri inside of her hair. Because they're like, Anne and Anne are having a very elegant evening, a formal dinner just for the two of them. Anne is wearing an expensive evening gown. James waits on them very correctly. They're delighted with one another's company, gazing at one another across the table. That's what the fuck we saw. Just general dinner date excitement. And then as we move forward, we get some wonderful little notes about Anne Lister trying to get into thirsty Anne Walker's thick-knitted drawers. And so this part is from when they adjourn to the drawing room after dinner. And it says, from delicate to passionate, Anne's deftly working her way into Miss Walker's thick knitted drawers with her adventurous <laughs> right hand. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. wow. Between kisses and mumbled conversation. And that's when we have Anne saying that line, surely you care enough about me to say yes, because you do realize you'll break my heart if you say no. And then the instruction after that is, Anne Walker's getting increasingly aroused, but perhaps it's when Anne's hand gets right inside the thick knitted drawers and touches the hair, quote, the hair and skin of queer, as Anne puts it in her diaries, which we'll get to, that Anne Walker says, wait, stop. And they have Anne Lister saying, sorry, what? And then the note says, Anne is freaked. She's getting sexually aroused by another woman and it's just not normal. And I'm sorry. I read that and I understand where it's coming from, but I fucking cackled really, she's being really sexually intensely. Aroused. She's being sexually She's being aroused activated. by a woman. Oy vey. <laughs> Oy vey, her petticoats. How can this be? <sighs> this is too much. It's too soon. Yeah, she does. Have That's... I hurt you? No, no, it isn't that. It's just, it's too soon. I'm not. not. I'm not prepped. I didn't do the let's things. Let's go with your, let's go with your, and it's, 
1832. There's more things to do. <laughs> oh, yes, there is more things to do. <laughs> I'm sorry. That Ooh, look at that peak. Well, oh, oh, okay. So now we're getting to the line that I told you about that I was like, yo, why did they take this out of the show? Because if they left it in the show, I would have lost my shit entirely, just entirely. And it's from um, after. And Walker's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's super stressful. I don't know. And Ann Lister's like, I'm sorry. Right? And Ann Walker's like, sorry. And Ann Lister's like, no, I'm sorry. And Ann Walker's like, well, have I spoiled everything? And Ann Lister's like, no. And Ann Walker replies, I've never, sorry, done it before. I'm probably not very good at it. And they have Ann Lister replying as, <laughs> the best way I imagine is to let nature guide you. <laughs> Woo! I'm sorry. Wait, why didn't I? The best I way is to let nature guide you. It's not. It's not in the script. It's, they, it's on the cutting room floor. If Saran Jones delivered that line, we don't see it. Maybe it's in the bloopers. Maybe it's in deleted scenes for some unknown release of a Blu-ray, but it's in the script. The best way I imagine is to let nature, nature guide you. I feel like I need to say that to someone. Candace, how do I? Let nature be your guide. <laughs> let nature guide you, my dear. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh. And then, of course, John rings the bell. And the note, the note that she has in the script about Anne walking, like, you know, 10 steps ahead of John. It's like, Anne and John walk back, but not together. <laughs> Anne's ahead and John's struggling to keep up. Anne walks everywhere like she's going for gold. Her athletic mind's racing as fast as her athletic legs. She's energized, preoccupied. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say good cardio is necessary for a good grubble. Um, is this my endlister medical fact of the week? It's not medical, but it'll be my fact. Good cardio helps with the grubbles. The more you know. Also working out the forearm. Those old bendy things. Oh, yes. You just, just squeeze it and you strengthen those muscles that are necessary. <laughs> okay. Actually, this tickled me. And this is a Eugenie relevant script note. And it's for when Anne kind of confronts Eugenie about like what's going on. Because John has told her the night before, just when this entry we were just looking at, or not the entry, but the script part we were just looking at, he's been like, hey, yo, um, so me and Eugenie? We're betrothed and that's going to be happening. And Anne's like, I don't know. Something else is going on here. And so in the script, they have her in this scene, interior Anne's bedroom, Shipton Hall. And it says, Eugenie is doing Anne's hair, the usual brisk daily cough. Eugenie glances nervously at Anne in the mirror and discovers Anne observing her darkly. Thoughtfully, Anne knows there must be more to it. So presumably the engagement. And so she plays a cool. And they have his Anne Lister speaking in French, basically saying, this is, <laughs> this is what she says to Eugenie in French. I'd like you to consider the relentless drizzle of soggy little England and the relentless irritation of someone else's children. That's all. <laughs> what? She said, she said, fuck Boo's daughter. She said, fuck John Booth and fuck his daughters. She hmm. said, think about what it's like to raise another hoe's children. Can you believe? <laughs> Now, I'm going to say that Eugenie didn't look all that all that interested to be raising three girls, despite how sweet they are, because they all shade their daddy, and that's baby misandry, and that should be nurtured to blossom in the future. But, Agreed. Um, yeah, that's a, that's that's what it is. She They have this little scene where she basically tells Eugenie, before you do all this with John, just remember how shitty the weather is in England. And remember how shitty it is looking after other people's kids, huh? Do you know? Kids are annoying. <laughs> kids are annoying. They're unpredictable. I don't know if you know. Oh, Anne. And then we get to some, uh, we have some Miss Priestley notations in the script. I like to call this Eliza on her bullshit. And this is for when, of course, Miss Priestley can't mind her own damn business as she's visiting Crow Nest. And it goes, oh, where is she? Where is she? Where, where, where is she? Not in my petticoats and I'm upset. It says Mrs. Priestley has arrived at Crow Nest. She's about to ring the doorbell, but has second thoughts. Somehow, deep down, 
deep, deep down. <laughs> That's me ad-libbing. Barely consciously, she is suspicious. Instead, she heads discreetly around the side of the house and spots that the blinds are drawn in the living room, which is far from normal. She makes a decision to go into the servant's entrance. So everything that we saw and we said that she is sneaky, she goes to the servant's entrance and she's like, I mean, I like how the script says somehow deep down, barely conscious, she is suspicious because that to me sounds like queerness, you know, like when something's yes. deep down, barely conscious, but you're suspicious. That to me explains her jealous goddamn energy and the fact that Anne Lister herself. In her diaries, describes Mrs. Priestley, as you will see, as jealous. She interpreted her energy when she walks into the Grubbles as, well, you're you're angry and jealous. That's, I'm just, we already know what I said. Sexuality is a motherfucking spectrum. Yes, there are people who are polarized, but more than likely, the majority of humanity is on this, this fluctuating thing that depending on circumstances and the day and like what's happening and your emotions, like you could flits and fly into a relationship that you did not anticipate. Yeah, here is a, a note point noting it in the script. Anne and Anne sprung apart as soon as they hear the door go. Anne has sprung up, Anne Lister, and goes up to stand by the fire. Thirsty Anne is red in the face, possibly from embarrassment, possibly from passion. <laughs> <laughs> I say the latter, baby. Right. Passion. Grubbles. Vigorous grubbles. And both look a wee bit disheveled. Mrs. Priestley is speechless and, according to Anne Lister, looked, quote, vexed, jealous, and annoyed. Direct quote. So, Annoyed. So, 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 so. Vexed. What that mean? What what do you think that means? Jealous. Is that, is that, is that, is that what you call it? Is that what you call it? What she meant to say was, what about what I need? Yeah. And in the script, it's like, quote, kissing. She can't say it. It's so unimaginable. She can't even believe the evidence of her own eyes. She didn't see anything anyway. But what she actually saw was them spring apart. But why would they do that if they hadn't been doing something they shouldn't have? Mm. Girl, she's just so... I, you know, I, I, don't, I will never have this hetero energy of like, I can't imagine it. What are you two girls doing in here? I just, it's because I've never not been able to imagine it. So I don't know what that is. I don't yeah, know what that looks that's... like. I don't, and I feel very fortunate in that, in that way. <laughs> and so it notes in the script that Mrs. Priestley leaves the room and bumps clumsily into James, who may have been earwigging and leaves flustered, sickened, appalled, shaken. Honestly, Miss Priestley, you're doing too much, doing too much. Sickened, but someone who appalled. snuck into really? your, someone else's really? house. You, you, you get over yourself, a, Eliza. You have an interesting air about you I on know. your way out. You need to calm yourself, Miss Eliza. Well, that two mile walk or jaunt or whatever she's going to be doing. She needs to jaunt off her angry petticoats. That's what needs to happen. You saw her man in the show. Now, you know, nothing is happening on that front, Terrence. Oh, Literally yeah. nothing. He's like, oh, look, she's uttering words again about something. Why? <laughs> Why? I Why? Just, I just want to read my paper. And uh, the scene closes out with Sally writing. Anne and Anne eventually venture to look at one another. This is after Mrs. Priestley is like storms out. Anne and Anne eventually venture to look at one another. A few seconds pass and then Anne Walker starts laughing. And Lister is amazed. How can she laugh? But Ann Walker laughs even more. James knocks at the door and puts his head in. And of course, James is like, uh, is everything, is everything, is everything? And she's like, yes, thank you, James. And then it adds, James withdraws. Then Ann Lister starts to appreciate Ann Walker's laughing. It makes her smile. It's brave. It's bold. Another moment and then Ann Walker. Shall we go upstairs? That's right. Hey! 
Look, I'm just glad they have in the script that it's brave, it's bold, because it fucking is. But honestly, the way they played in the show, you can't have a bitch get near You can't have a bitch get skin to skin, skin to skin, and you're riding the train. You know what I mean? It's like the, 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 the roller coaster is like this. You're going up, you're going up, you're going up. You're about to hit the dip. You're about to hit the dip. And then Mrs. Priestley breaks up the dip. So you don't actually get to go down and feel that rush. So that's why Ann Walker was like, um, can we go upstairs? Could we go upstairs? Could we go upstairs? Because I'm in distress. My petticoats <laughs> are in distress and I don't give a fuck what Ms. Priestley just saw. We need to finish what the fuck we started. And then of course it ends with this notation of Anne gets her hand up Anne's dress. Thirsty Anne's dress. They're both very excited. <laughs> Amidst lots of breathing and kisses, Anne Lister makes Anne Walker come. They cling onto one another passionately. So um, clearly, Sally, you cut this fuck out because I just saw the knee quit, and that's fucking fine. It was beautiful the way it was. Is but that just why we were getting it's the, in the notes, the pancakes and the ham tinkles. Terrence, you should know that you don't get you don't get pancakes <laughs> or waffles unless you had an excellent O. Right. Because that's mm. what be fucking you up. I already said, like, she was, and especially because Anne says in her diaries, like, oh, she I thought she was man keen, but she's more sensitive than I thought. That the O, as in to use Anne's words, a sensitive Miss Walker would have come very quickly. So it's it's not like the girl, she she fucked up. She was like that paper knife. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> she was. That's the animal's like, oops, I guess I miscalculated because my vigorous grubbles have sent this girl into shambles. I told her not to pounce like I told her. No, it's a literal, it's a literal fucking thing in the diaries where <laughs> I'm sure the entry will come up. This fucking episode where Anne is like, and Walker after their first grubbles where the, where the bitch is shook. She's like, bitch, I don't even know if I can grubble again. Like you, grub <laughs> you grubbled so vigorously. I am so shooketh and fucked up with it that I don't know if I can ever do this again because I, my world has been rocked. Like that's a real thing. And Lister's like, oh, well I, clearly I miscalculated <laughs> the man keenness on this one because she's far more sensitive than I. I'm like, girl, what was you trying to do with them vigorous grubbles? And it's partly because in her diary, she's like, girl, to herself, I gotta figure out how to make up to this hoe. I gotta really do the best I can for this hoe because it seems like she's probably not virginal. Seems like she's probably fucking with Catherine. Seems like she's probably fucking man keen. And so I need to make sure that I do my best when I can, and then she got there and she did her best and it was too much for Ann Walker. She was like, oops, um, miscalculation. I mean, she's, <laughs> Lesbian miscalculation. she's reading those brave faces saying, I want you to know that I'm not afraid. That's because she didn't see that much gay thirst in her life. And that's unfortunate that she was probably dealing with, you know, heteroflexibles. Bitter queers like Mariana, who just had decided to do this other life and is actually bothered by having to see people living their life the way they choose. That's, that's how I interpret Mariana is that yeah. she made a decision for herself for comfort and for wealth and for status. And she's annoyed every time she has to see Anne trying to live her life under her own terms. Cause she's like, why can't you just be like me and take it and just like deal with it. Just like sit on an old dick and just do what you have to do. And, and Anne is like, I'd rather die first. I'd rather fucking die than sit on a crinkly old dick. And I too can relate to that energy. Um, Seppakumi, take me out because that's not that's not happening. Okay. <laughs> that is the end of our script breakdown stuff. Thank you to all the wonderful humans, whoever's responsible for putting this online. Thank you again to our wonderful listeners who reached out to make sure we saw this fucking shit. And thank you, Sally, for fucking writing it. Hint hint, nudge nudge. <laughs> all right, yo. Now we're on we're on to the good stuff. You know what that means. Entries. 
So in this episode, a couple of things happened, y'all. Well, we we basically have our ladies moving to the next level. Yes, I mean, um, a shared orgasm. I mean, bitch, that's... Okay, so I'm not even... But you... Let's talk about what you just said. <laughs> a, a shared, shared orgasm. orgasm. Importanto. Because it is. It's important that we discuss this. Now, there's a lot of to do to be said about in the diaries and, and Anne's preference of sexual interaction. And a lot of times when she was incurring a cross, she did that alone in the morning. And the morning's a great time to incur a cross, quite frankly. Start your day, end your day, incur a cross. That's good Anne Lister advice. Because that's sort of the thing is that it's specified by more than one historian that Anne Lister just necessarily wasn't too keen as far as we can tell on having her body parts touched or stimulated in certain mm. kinds of ways or in excess to how she would stimulate other people. But as you said, shared owed because the fact of the matter is, as I believe we touched on very quickly or maybe it just was me yelling about women who are attracted to other women and how that works. That even though Anne Lister was the type to incur across alone, more than likely, if you are a queer lady or, you know, a non-man who loves known men um well uh well um uh, it's, it's it stands to reason that the arousal level is at its peak while you are on your grubbles with someone else and so the likelihood scientifically and realistically that you will share an o with your partner despite the direct stimulations I don't know why the Wakanda accent comes out like this, but it's very high. So I agree with you that shared O's. It actually really bothers me sometimes when you see some of these articles and maybe it's from the het perspective or stuff like that, where they're like, oh, one person sex or one sided sex, you know, like it's queer sex, but only one person's getting gratification. And that's like, that's not, that's, that's not, not how it works. Right. I'm, I was, I guess I was guessing that there would be a book entry somewhere oh what specifically what specific official. kind of entry what's official oh like i got my o or yeah like honestly i think half the time and puts a bitch on her knee she's extremely aroused and getting some mm. sort of gratification because we saw that with mrs barlow that she was like i threw a bitch on my knee and i shuddered <laughs> i shuddered and i shook and i think she knew what happened she was like you're doing yourself harm bitch and i was like uh, oh maybe and so i think that's I mean, that, that's the spectrum, isn't it? That Anne Lister gets sexual gratification and pleasure from all kinds of ways with her women. And so who's to say? Who's, who's to say? I mean, we're to say because we're reading the entries, but <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say all the O's, multiple O's, because multiple O's don't change because you're two centuries back. <laughs> like you, the ability for a woman to have multiple O's is a gift from it's Lilith. No. <laughs> it's a gift from Lilith. Lilith. It's a gift from Lilith. Praise Lilith. Bit the apple, bitch. Misandry. Um, all right. So actually, you know what it was? Remember I was looking for entries on our birthdays, our respective birthdays, since yes. we are in that window. I did not find one on yours. It's, I'm sorry. But there were some very inspired grubbles on my birthday, September 27th. If you guys want to look up those goddamn entries in the Chomiel, um, I just want to say that I think my month, the month of September, has been blessed for grubbling by mm. the gods, by the stars, by Safa, whoever else is out there, blessed and gays. It's clearly, clearly. And, you know, I look back and I'm like, September has always been a great grubble month. So I just didn't know that, that where it was aligning from in the stars. And it was clearly... 
these grubbles happening in 1832. So I'm just going to, why don't I start off the entries with my own entry and uh, <laughs> <laughs> of my birthday. And this is from Nature's Domain and Lister and the Landscape of Desire by Joe Liddington. And it starts in the chapter As Good as a Marriage. And it's in the Moss House from the 26th of September to the 25th of October. So it talks about in this time, as we'd said last historical nightcap, that in the show, Ann Walker is visited by Ann Lister in the Lake District. And that accelerates their coupledom. But in actuality, Ann Lister was back at Shibden incurring crosses just about daily while she worked feverishly on her shamia, love shack, for when Ann Walker returned. So that's a lot of pulling up shrubs. That's a lot of... That's a lot of sweating in yes. all the ways. Yes. That's, that's good. This chapter starts in Nature's Domain. With the return of Ann Walker from the lakes, the emotional tenor of Ann Lister's days once again shifted. Books became less intellectual stimulation and more symbolic gift exchange, cementing their fast-developing relationship. Anne might be the more scholarly of the two, but it was Anne Walker who could run up bookshop bills and then lend these new volumes to uh -huh. Anne. Yes. Literature and flirting. That's pretty fucking gay. And here's an entry from the day before my birthday, Wednesday, September 26, 1832. Incurred a cross, thinking of Miss Walker. Out at 10.15, some time with the workmen and saw Washington at the weaving. Then called at Lightcliffe. Mrs. Priestley out. Then called to inquire if Miss Walker was returned. Yes! Exclamation point. Last night. And then it says she sat with her from 12.50 to 2.20. Couple hours chatting. She had brought me a press papier. Basically, a paperweight. Yeah. From the marble works at Kendall. Very civil. Our conversation quite confidential, and we really got on very well. I just love those summations. Like, very civil, very agreeable. We got on very well. It was pretty gay. That's just TLDR. It was gay. And so it's interesting because Nature's Domain takes a slightly different approach than The the Real Gentleman Jack by Ann Shoma about talking about these same events where Ann Walker, Thirsty Ann, has returned with a gift for Ann Lister, and they're exchanging these books, these, these books that Ann Walker is lending to Ann Lister, but... You know, and of course, there's some practicality in that. Ann Lister's reading them, but it's all about the flirt. It's all about what's happening. And so in Nature's Domain, they have the entry as, I will skip past incurring across and we'll go straight to the book part. And I went into my aunt, found Miss Walker's servant, had been for her books, came upstairs and wrote a note to go with them by John tonight. Quote, 10,000 apologies. Know what a disappointment that sort of thing is about books. Sorry and annoyed. Thanks. May I keep History of Paris a little longer? <laughs> I find myself very busy on the estate on my return from having played truant so unexpectedly long with you. Girl! She's like, I spent so much time by your side. I'm, I'm, I'm behind on my work. Besides, she continues, you always give me so much to think of afterwards. Oh, oh, we know. You've incurred a number of crosses. That it is long after I have actually left you before my mind seems disengaged. She out here, again, flirt, 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 flirt. Yep. Do pray forgive me before morning. And it basically ends with Anne Lister asking about the gift Anne Walker got for her and saying she's impatient to get it and signs it very truly yours, Anne Lister. Mm. And so in Nature's Domain, they mentioned that Anne Lister could exercise smooth dexterity when it came to the etiquette of the loan and return of books and that she knew all about the courtly formalities and, quote, making herself agreeable, as we have read time and time again, and making the most of new private architectural spaces and pastoral vistas. But I really like the way Anne Shoma puts it because she's like, it's like texting your date after the date. <laughs> like, like, yeah, last night was dope. Last night was really dope. I'm still thinking about you. That's, Actually, that's exactly yeah. it. So in Gentleman Jack, the real Anne Lister movie tie-in, it says that the day after Miss Walker returned from the 
Lake District and joined her for breakfast at Lydgate. She strode the few miles across the fields briskly, pausing just long enough to order Joseph Pickles, which evidently is the old dude that be running shit that was telling Soden to slow his roll. Soden. That's Pickles. To pursue and kill game and rabbits for and during this present season of hunting and shooting. And to proceed against all persons found trespassing on the estate in my name and on my behalf. And I just gotta say, <laughs> she said, shoot a bitch in my name. I just, I hope that means, I hope that means that if somebody, that if Pickles had to shoot somebody, he was like, this is for Enlista. Or, you know, like, oh, like right? as you should write it because she says in my name. So surely, like, that has to involve some sort of melodramatic calling out of her name as you shoot somebody. At least that's the way that I see it. That's the way that I think it should be done. Otherwise, why, why tell someone shoot them in my name if they don't get to hear your name at the time of potential death? I, I don't know. I just like it. I just, Miss Lister doesn't take kindly to trespasses. I just felt like Misandry. She was like, in my name, uh-huh. murk these motherfuckers. Merc these bastards and make sure that before they bleed out, you're like, Miss Lister says hello. <laughs> Miss Lister says, good Lord, you're bleeding out. No, um, I'm having way too much fun with these side fantasies. But they work. Right? See? You get where I'm coming from. I think we should also note because I'm fairly certain of this and I have so many entries and things like on my iPad that I could be confused, but I'm fairly certain of this, that Ann Walker receives the gondola pin after she comes back from the trip. Uh, I feel like gondola is before the trip. It's but did we me. read a? But did we read an entry oh, last? I see what you're saying. Right. I don't think we've read a gondola entry. Now there's another entry I set aside for today, but I am fairly certain that the order of events is that Ann Walker gives a gift first, and it is this replacement paper knife that she Ooh. gives to Anne when Anne destroyed your paper knife like girl how does that not say sprungeth I am sprungeth I am replacing the thing you broke for you that the, <laughs> that's not what rational people do it says just 10 minutes after she arrived back at Shibden that morning Anne Lister found Miss Walker's servant James McKenzie at her door he had come he said to collect some books which Anne had forgotten to bring to Lydgate for Miss Walker Anne scribbled back a note quote a thousand apologies for her oversight and sent Mackenzie away with them at once. The fact that Anne and Anne had plans to meet for breakfast the next morning gives a twist to an otherwise unremarkable anecdote. It seems unlikely that the return of the volumes might not simply have waited until then. It is tempting to speculate that it was a desire of Anne Walker's to establish further communication with Anne Lister before their next meeting that prompted her to send her servant to Shibden more than any impatience to read her books. Girl, you know she want to read those damn books? Yes, she was just trying to talk to Anne Lister. They're flirting via book borrowing. <laughs> and it continues, either way, the visit from James McKenzie gave Anne Lister an opportunity to further her cause. The language of her return note operated within the romantic conventions of the day. She told Anne that she had played truant by staying longer than she intended at Lydgate. The visit had given her so much to think of afterwards that as long after I have actually left you. And the book notes that it was the Georgian equivalent of texting your date afterwards. Thanks, Anne Shoma. That's clever and also hella accurate. Hmm... Now, this is also another little detail that's in Gentleman Jack, the real Ann Lister. And I didn't find the exact specificities, which is why I'm like, everyone has to read all the books because different historians concentrate on different things sometimes and just you need to have it all together to get the fucking look. And 
It's a, like a little tiny thing, but it just tickles me. And it's talking about like Anne's habits, Anne's breakfast habits, and that Anne usually gets up super early. And the breakfast at Shipton were usually just bread and milk and were frequently taken after hours of physical work on the land or a trip to Halifax, which is just smart for great cardio, burning those carbs that she is eating after doing a bunch of work in the morning. So they're basically like when Anne's at home and she has to take care of herself, she got a little last meal. But when she goes to Lydgate, when she's at Cronest, She's greeted with a more formal spread. And uh, I just, that's, that's like, that's small couple shit, but that's actually huge couple shit. Yeah. Don't you find that there's always someone in a relationship that always remembers to eat and one that doesn't? Yes. And I may or may not be going through something like that right now where it's like, yes, you cook for a living. It's what you do. You are the preparer. And it's like, you got to cook. Yeah. That is. That yeah. is, and it's always. Did you eat? And it's like, oh, that is I sexy. I'm sorry, right? a person like me who right. likes to snack, and it's because I'm not. I'm that person. I'm the person. I'm the enlister in this scenario that does not remember to eat, and I do not remember to eat until I'm hangry usually because I, you know, work on my feet. I have a lot of coffee a lot of times and then it just doesn't hit me till it does and then I get cranky and so I need people to understand that crankiness and just be like here babe just take this or pack me lunch like that that was actually that would also help that works I'm not above it and I actually love when I impact lunch and I can unpack that in front of my coworkers. And like what you got mind your business bitch and get on Grubhub because this is for you this is for me yeah and especially if Shibden is still preparing meals and repairing metallic items <laughs> on the same table at the same time then maybe it's, it's yeah that's a mess and that whatever that soup was or or that wasn't Chowder. Let's not. That's why Anne was constipated. <laughs> right. That was Anne's constipated for so, half her damn life, basically. So when you read that I have a, a miniature appetite when I'm in Chibden Hall, but I can eat for three when I'm... She is burning a lot of fucking calories, walking around all over the place, pulling up hedges and shit. But it's just one of those things, I think. And for me, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like cooking for someone can be a love language. Yeah. I mean, I like to cook for other people, but I don't like to cook for myself. It's weird. It, it doesn't weird. work out that way. Like if I'm preparing something for just other people, a group, I'm into that shit. And it's like, yo, be a perfectionist. But if it's like, can't just make something for yourself? I'm like, bitch, whatever. Like, give me some nuts and a juice. Gentleman Jack the Real and Lista also talks about Ann Lister's confidence in company and how it served her well when two of Miss Walker's relatives played an unexpected social call. And who uh-huh. might that be? Who might that be? Do you remember two relatives uh, making an unexpected maybe, social call last uh, episode? Was that uh, Stanfield? Stansfield, because I was all the way wrong oh, on that. Yeah. Hmm. Stansfield Rawson and uh, Delia Rawson. And um, there's basically a diary entry to go with what we saw on the show, which is that Mrs. Stansfield Rawson and her daughter show up and they are visibly, well, at least the mother, visibly bothered and perturbed yes. by Anne being there. And Anne remarks so in her diaries and remarks about Anne Walker's reaction to them because it was something to note. So I've said there are a lot of entries around this pot that are certainly very interesting and intriguing and funny and explanatory about what's happening with our ladies in the show. Well, one thing the books definitely get across is that the impression of the Shomiel to Ann Walker. We see it played by Sophie Rundle that she's completely taken aback. She's like, yes. this is beautiful. And wow, is this all for me? 
And that's exactly how it's described in the books in terms of Anne Walker's appreciation for the Shumia. In Gentleman Jack the Real and Lister by Anne Shoma, it specifies that Miss Walker was the first person to be invited inside Anne Shumia, located a good distance below Shibden Hall, close to the babble of the Red Beck Brook. It was both privately and romantically situated, offering the... <laughs> Hey, offering the perfect space for the advancement of their fledgling courtship. This was no coincidence. And Shomia was the realization of a long-held dream of creating a space in which she could discreetly entertain women. As a much younger woman, she had fantasized about frolicking in sheds with her conquests. <laughs> she is! Well? Frolicking in gay sheds. Yes, why not? She had already decided that she would pay due court to Miss Walker in the moss hut. And Miss Walker was duly enchanted. And this is from an entry. She sat in the moss house, hardly liking to move. <laughs> of course, I made myself agreeable. And I think she likes me even more than she herself is aware. And this is around the time, of course, that, that they're talking about marriage and going off together. Yeah. As good as a marriage, just as good, even better. And in these entries around this time, they talk about this idea of traveling and that, you know, Miss Walker, evidently Thirsty Anne, had gotten the impression that it was kind of a joke, that she was joking, that she was playing around, she was not to be taken seriously. And so Anne is doing her best at this point to be like, nah, 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 bitch, nah. I'm serious. I'm a, I'm a serious lesbian. That's right. I need you to know that I'm 100%, 200% serious about taking you off with me to travel. And in this entry, she mentions a, a bit about it, where she writes, Dinner at seven. Dinner at seven. My aunt with me and talking to her till she left near nine. Then wrote the above of today. Miss W and I, very cozy and confidential on parting. She said she knew not when she had spent so pleasant a day. And that's a call back to the line we heard where it was like, this is the best day ever. And, and Lister writes, I believe her. She sat and sat in the moss house, hardly liking to move. Of course, I made myself agreeable. And I think she already likes me even more than she herself is aware. She seemed pleased at my reminding her of our walk 10 years ago by the hilltop, etc. When I had joked about her going abroad, said it had always been my intention to make the offer more seriously as soon as I could. That she must remember I had always been in the same strain. That I had never joked anyone else in the same way. Girl, that's a lie, but we'll let it go. And I hope she would now understand that I was more serious than she supposed. She said her uncle and Aunt Atkinson had said I should get her abroad, but that she had told them, oh no, it was all a joke. Ah, I said, then they understood me better than you did. <laughs> she had told me before that she was always told I was not to be depended on. I successfully parried this and she believed me. And so I think that's an indication of people being like, Alistair, bitch, she always traveling, bitch. She always out there doing something. If she told you she was going to travel with you, the likelihood she's actually going to do that is very small because she's busy. And so this is Anne basically being like, no, 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 no. All I need is one wife. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, listen, listen, listen. Don't listen to what the rumors say. Listen to what I say. And what I say is, it's just you. Which we know that's not entirely true, but eh, she's trying to make it be true. Right. And there's also some talk of the Priestleys. And it's interesting because, again, you know, each book gives its own version of insight into what's happening. But the general idea of the Priestleys is that Anne Walker was concerned about Anne Lister's relationship with the Priestleys, particularly Eliza, because she felt like people are going to figure shit out. They're going to know what's going on. They're going to be all up in our business. And Anne Lister initially didn't have those same issues, but she was like, okay, well, let me pull back on this to benefit what you want, Anne Walker, even though I'm not sure it's going to be a problem. This entry kind of goes into that. We talked of the Priestleys, etc. I dexterously giving her to understand that she would turn me, i.e. my opinion, quite. I consulted her in all 
all frankness of confidence what I should do about the French maid, etc. And that's the Eugenie. Yeah. Um, talked to her about planting trees at Shibden, etc., etc. Said how much good change of climate would do her. And I now really believe she will go with me! Exclamation point. She seems to take all I say for gospel. And in fact, she seems inclined to follow my advice implicitly. She consults me about her affairs. Said she was sure people never meant us to get together. That Mrs. Stansfield Rawson looked odd on finding me there. And in short, we congratulated ourselves that Chance and Dr. Kenny, parentheses, I always thank her for the kindness of telling me of the plot to catch, to, of the plot to catch Marion. <laughs> that had made us better acquainted so like marrying a dr kenny Platten. she said she would call on my aunt on monday i to meet her between nine and ten i really did feel rather in love with her at the hut and as we returned i shall pay due court for the next few months and after all i really think i can make her happy and myself too well that's all we want that's all we want rainbows and grubbles and sinking of pits so we can piss off men like christopher rolls yeah um, so yeah, so that's that's all lining up with what we heard and saw in the Shomiel. Like obviously there's a little more complicated nuance added with these entries, but that's the general vibe is that everything's on the up and up and everyone's feeling the good feels. And uh, this this is where it starts to get a little ridiculous. Same entry. I'm still going. Because, <laughs> you know, she had a lot to say when she's like, let me surmise this day that's happening. But she continues. Well, said I to myself as I left her, she is more in for it than she thinks. She likes me, certainly. We laughed at the idea of the talk of our going abroad together with stir. She said it would be as good as a marriage. Yes, said I, quite as good or better. She falls into my views of things admirably. I believe I shall succeed with her. If I do, I will really try to make her happy. And I shall be thankful to heaven for the mercy of bringing me home, having first saved me from Veer, rid me of M, and set me at liberty. I feel like I read a piece of this before <laughs> towards the beginning, but it's pertinent to go back because she's speaking the she's speaking the gospel yeah. truth of what needs to happen. Saved her from Veer, which I feel like Aunt Shoma in a book is like, she's just a chubby girl with like, you know. <laughs> it's actually she fucking <laughs> It's like the way how it's written to me is basically, you know, I'm hoping that this next grubble here is, will be the grubble that takes me home. Like it's like quantum leap. It's like, <laughs> no, but <laughs> it's just what it's I imagine you said quantum leap for its accuracy. Actually, <laughs> I'm a little too nerdy to hear stuff like that and not get excited. Right. So the actual quote from Anne Shoma is that Veer was simply a good humored fat girl. I'm mad. <laughs> Anne Shoma. And but and I I feel like I found the petty I found the road of petty in her book you know where she's like I'm a refined historian and I'm giving you actual facts but here's a little bit of but petty as it relates to Mariana <laughs> yeah like fuck Mariana fucking fuck her and maybe she doesn't mean fuck Mariana but right now I'm reading into it I mean, I'll tweet her and be like uh and Shoma how do you feel about Mariana like long term like what are your long term thoughts about Mariana as a person so yes saved from Veer and M and all of you listening know how I feel about M and we'll know even more thoughts by the time we get to episode seven. So she continues in this entry. We shall have money enough. She will look up to me and soon feel attached. And I, after all my turmoils shall be steady. And if God so wills it happy. That's all. This is it. This is the, this is the stuff. <sighs> it's the stuff. She continues. If Veer had rank and was more charming, she would have always thought she did me a favor. And M has annoyed me too often. I can gently mold Miss W to my wishes. And may we not be happy? How strange the fate of things. If after all, my companion for life should be Miss Walker. She was nine and twenty a little while ago. How little my aunt or anyone suspects what I am about. 
nor shall it be surmised till all is settled. Now, it's interesting because in, yes, Nature's Domain goes on after this entry to be like, yes, the relationship would be as good as a marriage and quite as good or better as, as Ann Walker. Yeah. She just, she, she gets it. She was like, I feel like I know where you're going and I'm completing the sentence. But they add that Ann Lister had, in Nature's Domain, that Ann Lister had an edge of worldly cynicism towards the victory to be won with Ann Walker and that Ann would like her, quote, quite well enough for comfort. And it finishes saying the intimacy and all its rich complexities now accelerated fast. And when I read, like what comes to your mind when you hear the statement, like her well enough for comfort? Well, I mean, it's again about the tiers of uh, education between them. The Because, you know, they're not as equally read where, you know, you're really just kind of tolerating easy company, but not in the sense of downplaying what the other person can give out. It's just bring to the equation. Right. It's like, you know, you've done autopsies on infants. <laughs> See, that's um that's such a like an inspired and mature answer. I I was on the gay cynicism, which is that I think Ann Lister's full of shit. Or rather, she's being very straight up, where she's like, she's still hot. Or I can, you know, I can still, I can still grab a bitch. Because, oh, no. I mean, well, well, I yeah. mean a bit, but doesn't it have to be more simple than that? Because, like, you, like, it's the Georgian language and everything's mad extra and romantic. No, but what else does that mean? At least to me, I'm like, good enough for comfort. Like, that's fucking, that's attraction that's that's the base that, right, of that's, what a queer relationship convenience. might need is that are we both attracted to each other at some point <laughs> do, do we want to do the grubbles because let me just read to you the entry in which this statement appears so it's friday the 28th we're still in september bitch. <laughs> it's a really a jam-packed week in the ah. month of september i'm so excited about that so she's like, breakfast with my father at 835. And then this is in code. Musing before getting up as I dressed of Miss Walker. I think we should be happy together. I should gently lead her into my own ways and soon be really attached to her to the exclusion of all care for anyone else. And then the entry continues from two to three, 10 asleep in the hut. Mm. And again, you can't convince me that when that bitch is sleeping in the hut, she's not thinking two about, she's not thinking about wifey. She's not thinking about wait, Ann wait. Walker. And so she writes asleep in the hut or rather the last 25 minutes incurred across thinking of Miss Walker. Uh -huh. I shall think myself into being in love with her. I am already persuaded. I like her quite well enough for comfort. So do you see where I'm getting the quite well enough yeah, for comfort? I'm like, you just like... incurred across, bitch. You just rubbed one out Villanelle. And you're like, well, you know, I don't know if we all, if like if everything we talk about is gonna be on point, but you know, at least we get the Grobles. I mean, uh, you know, 25 minutes, I incurred a fantastic cross of Miss Walker. At the very yeah. least, we have this base response, and because that is that actually is very important to Anne. I mean, all the toils for the Grubble. I think she likes me well enough. I'm making up to her. I think she really likes me. That that's super important. That if at the very base that there's not some sort of mutually felt sexual attraction, then. Then why that's, are we that's here? not happy. Right, yeah, right. why are we here? So that's my that's my TLDR that oh well she's hot so I mean <laughs> worst case scenario we gonna get the grubbles on it's gonna be good. I have a note that says Aunt Anne not long for this world and uh... oh no. <laughs> um, I I Aunt Anne Walker. Oh, I forgot about this fucking entry. That made me laugh. It's like in between the entry in Nature's Domain. And to me, it's Thirsty Ann, Thirsty Ann Walker, coming for her grubbles. Because it says that Ann writes, home at 3.30, meaning to write letters, talking for two or three minutes to Marion. When company came... <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. See, got me fucked up with the reading. When company came, rapping at the door. And Miss Walker, shooting into the drawing room, her call seemed to be on my aunt, sat about a half hour, and I then walked back with her down the walk. She asked if I had got her note. No. And then explained that she had come to ask my advice about her tenant, Collins, having forced open the barn door, opening into her courtyard. This matter settled, we sat down in the hut for about three quarters of an hour until 5.50. I then walked with her to her own door and got back at seven. Mm. Bordering on lovemaking in the hut. So this is in code. She writes, bordering on lovemaking in the hut, said I should certainly take her off with me. Hope she could trust me. Yes, she had the greatest confidence in me and our going together was actually agreed on. And we afterwards talked of it as a settled thing, depending only on our respective aunts, both of whom are in a precarious way. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm not laughing at the... I like old aunt. Old aunt say. Ann Lister, oh. but not old aunt. Old aunt Ann Walker. Right. Well, she could fucking kick rocks. I mean, and you already see how she felt about it. Uh, is she vulgar? <laughs> She's like, um, no. And Walker's all right. <laughs> <laughs> hey! He now, he now. Here's an entry where some more agonizing about what's happening between N and N and some musing on the exes. We shall now go on swimmingly and our courtship will progress naturally. She already likes me, perhaps. She scarce knows how much and we shall both be in love seriously enough before our journey. I should breakfast at Lightcliff tomorrow and would say I could not resist calling as I returned to ask if she <laughs> to ask if she had got cold. If she is out, I am to go to her at Cliff Hill. My aunt had hoped she would come on Monday, to which she readily consented, so that we shall probably see a good deal of each other. She looks happy as if the remainder of the victory to be won would not cost me much difficulty. <laughs> Thought I. <laughs> Thought I as I returned. And this is like in connection to what we just read. Well, M set me at liberty in May. In less than five months, I am provided for. I'm sorry. Woo. Let me read that. Uh, Reprovided for. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's like, M set me at liberty in May. In less than five months, I am reprovided for. She, I feel like she's like, blessed, blessed gay Jesus because, uh, wow. Now that you're out of my life, I'm so much better. <laughs> okay, dedicate that Destiny's Child song. And she continues, And the object of my choice has perhaps 3000 a year or near it. Probably two-thirds at her own disposal. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad, Miss Lister. I feel like that's what she's saying to herself. Well, now, she said, Even if I liked her less, a better take than Lady Gordon, or perhaps Veer either, well, now I will be steady and constant and make the poor girl as happy as I can so that she shall have no reason to repent. And once again, here's Ann Lister being like, Let me just make the bitch. Let me just do my grubbles as best as possible and keep her as happy as best as possible just so I can have a wifey. A wifey. How how people can see this courtship as one side. It's like, don't you see the gay desperation in Ann Lister? Like, oh my my God. You have to, I don't know, be literally obtuse to it. You have to be obtuse. Because so I was talking to a friend about it the other day and, you know, the whole predatory thing because she had the podcast and me screaming about it. And it's just sort of like, that is dedicated flirting. Like, she was a fucking gay. She wanted a goddamn wife. How is she supposed to have a wife besides flirt with every bitch that she sees? And it's like, where, like, where do the fruits grow? Like, where have I right. sown my seeds in fertile ground? Like, where do the gays exist, the sapphics? Like, where are these women I need to see? Which is why every single time she's like, I, I made up to her. I mean, we'll see. I mean, maybe, maybe. So I don't I don't like those things that people say. Because it's like, well, she she was just really dedicated and flirting. Like, she flirted with every bitch. And I, that's aspirational. Well, you either have the lady's attention or you do not. So okay. if you're someone without the lady's attention, that's you're not going to besmirch. That's not <laughs> Right. You're going to besmirch the competition in hopes that things will will level off even in even in uh revolutionary girl you'll see it where 
They were fighting over, here, use my towel to dry off. I know you just got finished beating the boys in the basketball okay. team. The boys is like, but all but- these girls, they, <laughs> they watched our game, but they're all, they're all over there. They just, Wait a, <laughs> Wait a minute. You talking about that Utana? Yeah. About okay, so I'm so fucked up that you showed me that little cartoon episode and that she got a wife in the first episode because I said, hold up, what's happening? So <laughs> so she's wearing like androgynous masculine clothes. Bing! That's a hit. And then you're like, oh, she has like a best friend that's like, is that or is a best friend or you gals being pals? I don't fucking know. Bing! And then immediately she's like, I want to be a prince and rescue the damsels. Bing! And then she <laughs> fucking sees a woman or girl being abused by her dude with way too nice hair. And she's yeah. like, oh shit, I gotta rescue that bitch. Bing! And then she gets over there she's like, I'm gonna duel you for her heart. Bing! And then she wins! Yes! She <laughs> wins and then the girl the wifey the new wifey is like oh sorry boo like i got a new girl now like bye like yep hey like i'm just i was like that was all one episode of a cartoon yes how the fuck and where's my live action motherfucker that's that's the question are you someone who believes in past lives or like the possibility of it oh yeah you ever had someone okay i've never i mean i don't know i've been like i don't i don't know i've you know it's like science like it's unprovable so possible but i don't know how intensely i believe in it but i did a thing once with a person where they were like i'm gonna tell you about your past lives and i was like i don't know b but you know what they told me my most recent past life was and that's to bring it all back here like they literally said that i was essentially a persian sword fighter and the shit yes. was so on point where i was like hold up um <laughs> rescuing damsels being violent with a sword killing men oh that's that sounds like my what? immortal soul energy <laughs> so i was an actual I that. episode of i Zeta. could be a prince that's what i was i take oh, that shit right so that was the one thing that made me think twice i was like yo that's that's actually what you just said i could i collect swords now and it's <laughs> it's completely nonsensical <laughs> unless the apocalypse comes but yeah <laughs> okay so <laughs> this entry continues on with more happy things said by Enlister. she writes we are in smooth waters now she tells me more and more of her affairs she feels at ease and happier with me than perhaps she could easily explain and probably we shall both be impatient by and by to be off i myself am surprised at my so rapid success and at the novelty of my situation perhaps after all she will make me really happier than any of my former flames at all rates we shall have money enough and i don't fancy she will either be close or stingy or cold to me how little my aunt thinks what is going on and this is the pettiest line that we have heard in a while from Anne. M believes me safe at home and dreams not how she is losing all chance of me. She is right served. That's it. That's the end. That she mean, is right no, served. But it's Petty Anne. I like it. Because, I like Petty Anne Lister. Yeah. Girl, feel your confidence, girl. After Scarborough and Blackwater's edge, bitch. Feel your confidence and tell a bitch she missed the fuck out because she really did. Because every time I got to hear that hoe say, after Charles dies, I just want to fight something. Because I'm like, girl, if you if you mention after Charles dying again. And let me just say that I have it somewhere saved on my iPad that Mariana in this time sends and lists her letter. And she's like, oh, Charles almost died from the cholera. But now he's better than he's ever been. And I'm like, yo, if I were in, I would have burnt that letter. Agreed. Like she burnt the fucking little shady ass letter right. uh, Ann Walker got. No, don't, don't tell me about your man getting cholera and then recovering to be better than he's ever been. What the fuck? Mm-mm. We're going to talk about some more baby gay bliss. And I'm just showing you all the bliss before we get to Anne's man keen. Because <laughs> she fucking misinterprets Little Miss Walker's incredibly thirsty energy as something else. And Lister still gushing about what's happening here. And she writes, we get on beautifully. I obscurely love making. And she all smiles. Said, felt sure of my own happiness and I might be equally so of hers. 
Oh, she was sure of hers, but had been thinking last night whether she could make me happy and be a companion for me. She said how happy she now felt and looked so as we sat on the sofa, and moralizing a little on how much we had both to be thankful for, how happy we should be, etc., etc., she said yes. She had often looked at all her things and said, what was the use of having them with nobody to enjoy them with her? She said it all seemed now like a dream to her. I told her I had made up my mind in May, the moment I was at liberty to do so, so that it had been well enough digested by me, however sudden it might seem to her. And that I, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm just like, that. it's like, I decided I was going to have a wifey in this exact month. And I, I know you're still getting used to it, but actually I've been, this is, this is, this is what I've, Right. been working towards this entire time like an engagement yes and that i gave my happiness into her keeping in perfect security said i had built the hut on purpose for her talked of our journey and so other historians make a note to say well, in fact she hadn't built the hut for her <laughs> but i mentioned this before that sure this is the hut is a combination of her fantasies and things she's wanted for a long time and a private oasis for her to entertain women but given where she was at this time in her life her age i feel like she's like my wife so not built for ann walker but she's the first bitch in the hut she incurs right. her first cross about ann walker in that goddamn hut so, the first yeah. grubbles happen with ann walker in that hut so it's ann walker's hut like you can't christen a hut like that and then be like oh it's another bitch like if i'm mariana and someone tried to give me that hut after the fact i'd burn it down yeah i'd be like uh, what? like yeah. what you said you wanted your mattress last episode you burnt that shit i would burn <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would sneak over to Lower Brook Ing and I would light that shit the fuck up. And then I'd write Anna a note and be like, in case you're wondering what happened to little motherfucker, show me out. In these entries, you have some mention of Anne begging and Walker to take up French and sketching because those were things she found to be very feminine and attractive to her. And actually, Anne Walker sends a servant home with Anne Lister in a moment because, you know, it's late and she's concerned. Also with a shawl that, yes, it's in the show. To be like, it's cold, it's rainy, like, put this on, bae. And um, I feel like I could go on for hours about these entries, but I won't. They do talk about her losing her shit with Marion that night she comes back. And Major's Domain writes from Anne in her entry, My aunt has been miserable about my being out so late. And Marion said on me, on my entering the room, that I must do so, i.e. stay out late, no more, etc., etc. And that sort of, to me, appearing dictatorial. Well, yeah. Dictatorial manner that I, as usual, could not stand it. <laughs> and it ending in Marion's crying and having a nervous fit. And it says after that that she basically was like, stayed up with my aunt, told her about the shits, which is essentially what we saw on the show. What she's talking about, she's like, I don't know, this could work out. I don't know, this could be a companion. This could be wifey. The book basically says that, you know, Ann Walker's, Ann Walker's, Ann, 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 Lister's. Ann Lister's aunt it just was so in love with her niece in terms of wanting her to be happy and stuff that, she didn't give a fuck. I mean, that's how I take it. That she's like, oh, well, you know, I just want you to be happy. And um, and that she generally had an idea that they, that she, like we see in the show, that she probably had an idea that Miss Walker would make a good companion for Anne and wanted that because she wants her to be settled, which is interesting. It just goes back to our theories in general about what members of Anne's family knew what and, you know, how accepting were they? Tolerant of they. I mean, I don't know that they could be anything but tolerant with a person like Anne Lister right. after a while, but yeah. Of course, we're here on the 30th of Sunday, motherfucking September. We are barely out of the days right. in the week. And we guess who's incurring another cross? Guess who's incurring another fucking cross? Spending a long time thinking about a hoe and doing that thing. And it's Ann Lister. Another Lister cross. I'm just saying, listen to this. Just, just listen to what I... Just tell me. Just Okay. Awake at five, and from then to getting up, lay thinking of Miss W at nine incurred the cross. Bitch, that's four hours! Bitch, that's four fucking wow. hours! <laughs> Bitch! 
She lay grumbling her goddamn self thinking about Miss Walker for four motherfucking hours. This is wow. what she does. She wakes up at the crack of dawn. She thinks about her bae. And then she tries to lie to herself later like, I don't even think it's that wow. serious. Like, I think, you know, I could, I could, I could walk away from this totally if I wanted to. <laughs> Bitch, what? No, you can't. No, no you, you can't. can't. You writing that down to try to convince yourself that you can do that. <laughs> e. So, yeah, after she's like, incurred the cross, she adds, I really am getting much more in love than I expected to be again. In fact, she likes me. It is evident. And I think we shall be very happy together. Again, how many times do we read this? I think she likes me. It's evident. I think we get on together. I think we could be happy. I think I can make her happy. Just repetitive fucking wishes, hopes, and observations on Ann Lister's part. And then a little mention of Marion. Stayed downstairs talking to 420, just gently named to Marion, went alone with her, that I really wish she would never again set at me as she did last night. And she began roaring again, saying we did not suit and she would go away, etc., etc. This always annoys me. And at last, I am inclined to make it a rule never to mention Marion in any way to anyone. <laughs> so dramatic, man. And I don't have to go into a bunch of entries about this, but something that was, you know, a thing between Ann Lister and Ann Walker as they were discussing things and companionship and stuff was like, where are we going to live? And, you know, like Aunt Ann Walker says, well, Cronesta is chic as fuck. Are you sure she wants to, are you sure she wants to come to Shipton? And Anne's like, Shipton? It can get chic. It can, it can get chic. Like, what are you talking about? It can get chic. Like, I just pulled these shrubs up. Right. So this is a, this is an issue because evidently Ann Walker was like, I don't know, be like, you see my ceilings? Like, <laughs> do you see my ceilings? My new money family worked hard to buy these ceilings. And I don't know if I want to leave these high ass fucking ceilings. And, you know, Ann Lister, and it saddens me every right. day. And Shipton is my ancestral home. And that's basically how she plays the argument. She's like, okay, but Cronest has been around for like 60 years. Be Meanwhile, Shipton has been around for three centuries now. What is the cooler place? Obviously, Shipton. <laughs> so what's the discussion about? And then as we get into October and we end our beautiful September month of early innocent grubbling, um... We get our first mention in the diaries anyway. I'm not sure that we've actually seen this on the show per se, but Ann Walker's back and um, just Ann Walker's issues with anxiety, with self-esteem or whatever. And as we mentioned in the, the Tumblr message that, you know, there's plenty of reasons to say that this wasn't just mental. This wasn't just hysteria. This wasn't just menstrual cramps. That the likelihood that something else horrible happened, given those horrible, uncomfortable chairs people were working with in the 19th century, given the horseback. Did you see the carriage? She was thrown to the four corners willy nilly oh, with man. her aunt. I mean, there's well, all yeah. kinds of ways that she could have extra fucked up her back. So I am of the thought that, man, just people didn't get that. Ann Walker actually had some motherfucking pain. She absolutely had... um things that distressed her mentally but I also believe that she had things that distressed her physically and in this entry on October 1st Anne writes we rested in the hut and she not being quite strong and well advised her not going farther and walked home with her we sat from a little past 10 to 10 minutes to 4 a sign that she was not tired of my company said how kind my aunt would be to her how pleased she was etc proposed her living with me at Shibden and letting Cliff Hill go because this is an issue she spoke of her great attachment to the latter i advocated skillfully and i think successfully the advantages of shipden and said that less money needed to be paid out for domestic improvements than she perhaps imagined explained that there would be more eclat and independence even for her at shipden than at cliff hill and that she had but a life interest in the one i.e cliff hill and might have the same in the other 
i.e. Shipton. And this part of the entry pertains to the after dinner combo we saw in episode three, where she writes, I then asked if she had thought she could be happy enough with me to give up all thought of ever leaving me. This led into her explaining that she had said she would never marry, but that as she had once felt an inclination not to keep to this, she could not yet so positively say she should never feel the same inclination again. She should not like to deceive me and begged not to answer just now. I said she was quite right, praised her judiciousness, that my esteem and admiration were only heightened by it, that no feelings of selfishness should ever make me even wish for my happiness rather than hers, that I would give her six months till my next birthday to make up her mind. She thought I'd given her a long time. We then rallied each other to all my thorough love speeches of anxiety and patience, hoping she would not think me foolish. She invariably replied, indeed. On the plea of feeling her pulse, I took her hand and held it some time, to which she showed no objection. In fact, we both probably felt more like lovers than friends. I said, if she felt a quarter of the regard for me as I did for her, I should be satisfied. But if she ever felt half, I should be more than happy. She said that would come. In fact, I think it will. Hmm. And here we have what I was saying before, Anne's first gift to Anne Walker of the gondola, which technically is after the giving of the paper knife. Yeah. She just writes, gave her first thing I ever did give, save the key of the walk gate. And so I'm like, is that the key to show me a bitch? Is that the key to the love hunt, girl? That is the first thing you're supposed to give. Um, <laughs> Ye old, you whole. Let us come. Let us do it. Ye old, you whole. Um, but yeah, she gave her the first thing she ever did give. And it was the last one that she has of the little gold gondola brooches she'd brought from Venice. So on track with what we saw, just, hey, who was out here giving presents first? Thirsty Ann Walker. That's the fuck who. When Ann was trying to talk to Ann Lister was trying to talk to Ann Walker about like her intentions of companionship and marriage a lot of it related to like this idea of romance and romanticism that women like Mariana and potentially Veer married for rank for status for convenience but not for the romance of it all and so when she would talk to Ann Walker she would implore that you know hey I feel like you are of the romantic type like me hopefully And this entry basically says that where she's like, I had said she had more heart and more of something like romance than her sister Elizabeth. Yes, she told (laughs) me. (laughs) Well, yes, she told me she always thought I had a tincture of romance about me or I should have sat by Mrs. Atkinson. And she said she had thought of me every day at Westwater. Every day at Westwater. I feel like I need to bring back my incurring of the cross theory because it could totally work here. Yes. And then it goes on to say that basically Ann Walker was like, I knew my 30th year was going to be an important year. (laughs) Oh, what a cute little baby gay. And Anne finishes in her entry. She already feels towards me. She scarce knows what and is surely in the high road to being in love. Yes, I think she will take me. I see I must be uncommonly and fastidiously delicate. I want to hit at the propriety of her leaving me for a minute or two on our getting to Lydgate, but she was too modest to seem to understand me at all. I see there is evidently coming on all the shyness usual in such cases, i.e. betrothed women. Yeah. Well, I shall like her all the better for it, and I'm already fairly in love myself. So what's interesting about this is that Anne is waxing poetic about how modest Anne Walker is, and she's into it. She's like, oh, this is modest. And she's oh, are you a little innocent, little naive, little girl? Oh, well, I'm kind of into this fact that you know that you you don't you're not man king you're not worldly like mariana but i i bring these entries up because it switches it changes thirsty Anne shows her thirst and all of a sudden she got analysts are talking about ah i don't know what this is is this man king you fucking Catherine? because that's literally the those are the things she jumps to she's like you're man king and you've done stuff with Catherine clearly because where's all this little passion coming from where does it come from and i would just like to say the gay the gay thirst but i also like this little 
this little entry where she's like, thought I, she is in for it if ever a girl was. And so am I too. <laughs> in my mind, that means vigorous grubbles, but also love. I could see vigorous grubbles or love. After she wrote that or... In the, in the sequence of that, she's like, after I'm having these thoughts, walked leisurely home by the new road, sat a little while in the hut, <laughs> thinking about my life and potentially my future wife. And then I'm home and I talk to my aunt about it. Maybe that's the one V1 uh, slang. Right. And Joe Liddington writes, for Anne Lister, Elizabeth Sutherland had opted for merely a conventional marriage. She hoped that Anne Walker would, unlike Mariana and Veer, hold steadfastly to genuine romantic feeling, as she herself did. During their six hours in the Moss House, six fucking hours, you gays. Um, that's a lot. Anne was courtly and plausible, and Walker romantic though shy. They held hands like lovers, and certainly Anne, with firm notions of courtship proprieties and rituals, dropped hints about Eugenie and European travel. Now, we are getting to the entries where Anne is shocked by the thirst, <laughs> and she starts switching, switching around how she thinks about a bitch and talks about a bitch for a little while until she gets confirmation that, oh, oops. Is that just gay thirst? My bad. So this reads Thursday, October 4th. I had my arm on the back of the sofa. She leaned on it, looked as if I might be affectionate, and it ended in her lying on my arm all the morning and my kissing her and she returning it with such long, continued, passionate or nervous mumbling kiss that we got on as far as we, by daylight, mere kissing could. I thinking to myself, well, this is rather more than I expected. Of course she means to take me. Yet on pressing the hardness of my case i.e. her situation, and having to wait six months and begging for a less length of probation, she held out, saying her mind was quite unmade up, and I must not hope too much for fear of disappointment. So this is Anne Walker just trying to be like, I I'm trying to figure out what's going on with me, and Anne Lister being her impatient gay self as usual. She's like, wifey, now? Wifey? Right now? No? Okay, now? Later? Five minutes from now? Today? No? Tomorrow. And here we go with the stay all night, because she, she notes how yet, notice the appearance of yet, because she's like a bitch, a bitch has not confirmed to me fully and completely, even though I said I'd wait six months. I literally said I'd wait six months, but here I am every day like, um, surely, right. surely you'll take me. Where she's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But yet she asked me to stay all night. So that's where Anne starts to have issues where she's like, so, so you're not sure about this other thing, but My you're sure about the girls? I mean, she, I, the, <laughs> the answer to that is Anne Walker's gay as fuck. She didn't expect it. She didn't expect it either. She didn't know it was coming. So she writes, yet she asked me to dine with her at five and stay all night. I promised the former. Very sorry. Could not do the latter while my father was unwell and my sister absent. Thought I, I see I shall get all of my wonderful person, a.k.a. body, if I stay all night. Mm -hmm. Hence that motherfucking smile we've seen from, from Saran Jones. But that's a, that's a smile that says, I can have all I want of a person right now, all night if I wanted to. And here's like some shit in related to the potpourri and the, and the date. Back at five to dinner, she had put on an evening gown, we saw, and sort of set out dinner for me. I talked much of the Highlands, etc. while the manservant was there. Afterwards... We drew near to each other and she sat on my knee. There goes that knee again. I'm just going to say an O happened upon thy knee. But you know what? That's just me being hopeful for Anne. Doing yourself harm. Doing yourself harm, Miss Walker. You're doing yourself harm. And she adds, and I did not spare kissing and pressing. She returned it as in the morning. Yet still I was not to hope much. She said I was infatuated. When the novelty was over, I should not feel the same. And I might not find her a companion for me. I waved all this, fancying her scruples were of this sort. On leaving the dining room, we sat most lovingly on the sofa. Though her aunt would not leave. <laughs> that's not, that's, that's, that's wrong. It says, though her aunt would not live six months. <laughs> oh, I was like... <laughs> 
and sorry, squeeze I read that shit me. And I squealed. I was like, yo, we didn't get to see old aunt Ann Walker die in the show, but that I'd have been okay with that. I always knew you. you <laughs> yo! And she talking some shit about Eugenie, Eugenie, we should take Eugenie on the trip. It's one of my favorite parts of the entry because like, Anne is such a contradictory bitch. While in her head, she's like, I don't know, I don't know. But at the same time, she's full speed ahead to the grubbles where it's like, girl, are you sure you know what you're doing? She writes, we were so affectionate and that's underlined in code. We let the lamp go out. Long continued mumbling, moist Whoa. kissing. Yes. I pressed her bosom. Then finding no resistance and the lamp being out, let my hand wander lower down. Gently getting to her queer. Still no resistance. So I whispered, surely she could care for me some little. And we heard that in the show. Yes. Then gently whispered, she would break my heart if she left me. She then said, I should think her very cold. How the devil could I? And it came out how that her affection had been engaged to one of the best men that they could not be transferred so soon. For he had only been dead just three months. And she got to crying. Yo, I just have to tell you, I don't know, I don't know what your feelings are for this, but I'm like, why is Ann Walker so sensitive and so dramatic? So this motherfucker been dead three months and you still worried about scruples mm, and like no. ethics? No. Fuck him. But it's because Ann Walker is really a sweet, she's a sweet woman. So she's like, oh my God, I, what is the, what is the legal and the correct morning window for a dude who was trying to court you who died three months ago? Like how long doth you mourn? I say a week. But uh, poor Ann Walker apparently thinks that three months is not enough. And she is feeling <laughs> guilty about wanting the grubbles when she's like, oh, but I was just engaged to a man <laughs> who died <laughs> three months ago. I just to me, it's completely and utterly ridiculous that That's she is upset about insert. this. But well, they don't they don't bother with it in the show. Not exactly in this way. I mean, in this way, but not exactly. And so there, I mean, to me, it fits with what we've seen of Ann Walker, that she's incredibly ethical and she's very concerned with like just doing the right thing or what is ethical, what is right, what do people think? Or And this is one of those situations where she's like, um, I don't know. I'm sad. I feel like I'm a horrible person. I feel like this is not what I should be doing because obviously my affection should still be entangled to this person, even though they clearly are not. And I think she was having some sort of moral crisis over that. So Anne basically is like, oh my gosh, I'm my gosh, oh my gosh, similar to what we see in the show, like my bad, several miseries. I beg a thousand pardons. I was completely ignorant. I did not mean to be inappropriate with you and do all this shit if if I would have known that you were having these issues. That's basically right. what Anne says. But she's like, it was all done very prettily because in a sense, it's false modesty where she's like, I'm really not trying to back the fuck off, but I will do all this and say all this so that hopefully you are more comfortable with me. Well, best of luck. To who? Anne Lister? Uh, to all of our aunts. May they, may they be forever quenched. <laughs> That should be just a prayer for all. So here we go to the man keen and a little bit of Anne's insecurities in this entry. I, however, promised to see her tomorrow and we parted in all the pathos due to the occasion. I said little as I returned to poor John, musing on the curious scene of today. Cold, thought I, no sign of that. More likely she will try what I can do for her before giving the answer. And I don't think I can do enough. She had said that if she once made up her mind, she thought herself as much as married to me for life. Well, I may try her or rather let her try me and go to what lengths the first night I sleep there. Yo, she's talking about vigorous grumbling. She's talking about grumbling so that a bitch never forgets that Lister was there. Right. And... I respect that energy. I understand that energy. I, you know, leave a lasting impact. 
But also, she's kind of tight. She's also like, she's also upset. Say, just, uh, she's upset. It's like a revenge grumble. She's like, oh, bitch, I'm gonna grumble you so good. If I can, if I can grumble you that good, because evidently, evidently, you have experiences that lead me to believe that my grumbles may not be as effective as they should be. I hope that means that you're keeping your stopwatch and you're mm-hmm. you're taking time. And you're like, this, I can't stop the grumbles until I've surpassed this time because I need to fuck this bitch up. I need to get her mentals all wild. I need to completely blow her mind so that... Whoever this best man was, whatever the situation was, he's completely out of her mind and into the back of her subconscious. Right. Um, she continues, she certainly gulled me in that I never dreamt of her being the passionate little person I find her. In spite of her calling herself cold, certainly I should never have ventured such lengths just yet without all of the encouragement she gave me. I shall now return sentimentally melancholy and put on all the air of romantic hopelessness. If I do this well, I may turn her to pity. I scarce know what to make of her. Is she maddish? I must mind what I say to her. Be cautious. Hang it. This queer girl puzzles me. She told me this morning of the weakness in her back for which she uses Dr. Day's ointment. It was from making her walk too soon when an infant. I think a little spice of matrimony might do her good. Do you hear how all over this bitch is in the fucking entry? She's like, yo, what's up with this girl? I don't understand her. I got to grubble her real good. But can I even grubble? Will this even work? Like she is completely all over the fucking map. Oh, were you about to say something? I was going to jump in, but it's like, it's... Jump. Jump the water. <laughs> jump the waters of warm. Please. While I look at... I just lost my entry where I was, so you can't talk. Okay. Where was I? God damn it. It's... It's... I was going to do the... What's that? Uh, the Katy Perry bit, where it's like... Yeah, yeah. Up, then you're down. You're in, then you're out. You're yes, then you know. Hot and cold. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> it was coming. It made it. I just think she's ridiculous where she's like, oh, this, that, and the other, but matrimony might do this bitch good. But I don't know. Can the grubbles work? But I don't like she's fretting. And that's that's the kind of fretting you do when you're into a bitch. No one can tell me otherwise. Like you don't fret like that when you don't care. When it doesn't matter to you, you don't fret. You don't give a fuck. Okay. We are rounding the end of the bend for this nightcap. They do mention very briefly, which is different than in the show, that Mrs. Walker was getting letters. It seems like more than one. From uh, <laughs> a concerned The haters of Halifax. Yeah. yeah. So a person who was not getting their, their grubbles. There's basically a, a statement that Ann Lister makes in her, in her diaries where she's like, Miss W, much troubled with anonymous letters, said she would get rid of all troubles of cousins or letters when with me. So... One of those things were like, when I'm with you, everything, everything's good. Everything airy. Everything airy. Everything airy. But when I'm not with you, I'm getting fucked up. I got the whispers and things. And it's just one of those days that a girl goes through when I'm angry inside. Yep. I thought yep. you were finished. Don't want to take it out on you. <laughs> Why do you make me sing these bad lyrics when because you know I'm not the singer? You the lyrics. It. We Thanks. love it. All right. So, 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 so. I feel my last brain cell leaving me. Okay. Okay. We're going to close out with this mankeen shit because ultimately Anne is confusing lust with mankeenness. She's confusing baby gay thirst with mankeenness. And it's kind of adorable to me, even though she's kind of a dick in her head to Anne Walker about it. But she's not a dick out loud. So that's fine. She wasn't shaming her for her mankeenness out loud. She was just in her head like, ooh, I see now that you know the ways of the world and I don't know what to make of that. I like that this is highlighting and reflecting the equal parts of this that are mm-hmm. each of them. Mm-hmm. 
people might try to say Alice is not thirsty. I'm like, that's not what I read. That's not what I read in the diaries. <laughs> right. She's thirsty. She's trying to convince herself that she's not as thirsty as she is, but she fucking is. Like, you don't move as quickly as she does, as intensely as she does, incur as many crosses on a daily basis as she does, unless you have an interest. And I think that for obvious reasons, to protect her heart and to logically keep her sane, she had to temper her extreme excitement, her extreme want and need for a wife and a companion with like reality and being like, well, it's not that serious. Well, it's not that bad. Well, surely if if I'm done with this bitch tomorrow, it's fine. It's fucking fine. It's fine. It's fucking fine. Even though her actions say the exact opposite. She'll be like, oh, this bitch man, I don't even fucking know. That same day, I endeavored towards the grubbles, tried to get through that petticoat. (laughs) God damn, maybe next time. Like, girl. Maybe next time. You want some shit. Okay. So it talks about in Nature's Domain how in the seduction game, Ann Lister had encountered little to no resistance. And that while her diary recorded the scene in a fairly calculating way, perhaps this was just the understandable cynicism of any impecunious, slightly caddish suitor toward a neighboring heiress. And I'm like, yeah, this is the cynicism of a learned gay and not just any learned gay. A learned gay who was coming off the heels of motherfucking Vera Hobart and the years of Mariana Lawton and her fucking gaslighting, which I just... A part of me wants to know what's to come. Another part of me just knows. Oh, with Mariana, not to dive in with Mariana, right? You know what? I just the actress who plays Mariana suits her, and she does it well because on my first viewing and subsequent viewings, I can't help but want to see like more of Mariana, just because I'm curious about the dynamic and I'm curious about just like just I don't say baggage, but just the stuff, the stuff that you get when you know someone intimately for over ten years. But I don't like those aspects because I'm aware now having read all the books about how badly Mariana hurt Anne and I feel past a point that's selfish you know like maybe within the first five year window you can try to give some allowances to not letting the grubble go and in being selfish in your want for someone but 17 years to try to keep a bitch tethered I mean while you have someone sleeping in your motherfucking bed granted it's a crusty old dick but the fact of the matter is it's, it's warmth it's a body. Well, you know how they say some people are, are moments, but or are you they know? sleeping like the Lucy Ricardo oh, <laughs> uh, with the two twins? Yes. <laughs> mm. But yes, please continue. I was going to say, um, you know, some people are around for moments, but people attempt to dictate what moments mean as far as a quantitative point where some, you know, it goes from spring to summer. It's time for a new person in your life. And then there are people who are like, Summer to fall, the leaves changing colors. Oh, I'm nervous, but you know what? That leaf is still there, so I'm straight. Fall to winter, let me get some gum because I just saw that leaf trying to leave the, the tree. True. I mean, stick it back onto that <laughs> to that branch and pretend like it's still, but but you're cold now. But but you you you're just trying to hold on for 17, 17 hold years. On. <laughs> Yo, okay, but that that goes to show you how intense and romantic. And Lister is. And honestly, I just, to me, it's about loyalty. And as someone who, like, loyalty is an intense thing for me. Like, it's like, you know, I'm a ride or die. And that's just how it works with people who are in my life, who are my friends, my people. Like, I'm ride or die. Like, yo, that's that's what it is. And so I feel like for someone like Anne, who ultimately is so intelligent, so sure of herself, and ultimately confident in who she is as a person, as a, as a lesbian and wanting a wife, that it would be really hard for her to entrust that kind of loyalty and that kind of commitment to a person and then just let it fly by the night. Like, that shit is hard. And I can relate to that stuff. That if you have invested a lot of time and a lot of yourself emotionally into a person, that even if they're a shit heel, you're like, I am having a hard time letting you go because I just feel like 
this investment. <laughs> well, <laughs> it yeah, needs to you bear gotta... some fucking fruit. I mean, so what you said in the last episode that you hope her investment has a return. Uh, yeah, I do. Otherwise, we're gonna have to do like one of those little uh, fireplace funerals, like with that, oh, man. with that evil letter, and oh. ju- and just you know, just burn the secret hairs that we didn't save from whatever. Wait, what were you just saying? I just had a sentence in my head and I lost it. Um, uh, yes. Uh, trying to prolong the season after the season already passed, uh, which is essentially like, you know, uh, you spent so long making a mistake that you that's why you're making it because it's familiar. It's what you know. But No, you're right. And it's just, and that also what upsets me too when people talk about Ann Lister being like money hungry or just like obsessed. And it's like, I just, I'm trying to figure out how you have the love of your life that you commit to and you think that this is it. And that's intense thoughts when you think that. And then they leave you ultimately for money and status. Is something not supposed to creep up in your conscious or your subconscious that says, I'm concerned with money and status because it has affected me. I have been left for this reason that why wouldn't Anne now consider these new things after Mariana's impact? She wasn't on that shit when she met Mariana. It was after the fact, after the fact. And again, Scarborough, Blackwater's Edge. I'ma just say that people made fun or had things to say about Anne's dress. And she fretted about it. She was like, is it my dress? Is it my mannerisms? Is it like the fact that I grubble? Like, why are people being dicks to me? And the fact that Mariana, you know, couldn't be like that closeted gay. Cause you know how like you can have closeted queers and on the outside, they can be like totally like fucked up and toxic. But in the bedroom, in the bedroom, they got their shit together. In the bedroom, it all makes sense. But out there, it's a hot mess. Mariana don't even got it together in the bedroom because she talking that shit in the bedroom. I just don't understand how you get grubbles the way Mariana began grubbles. And she's like, yeah, well, whatever. I need to take her down the peg. I can't have her believe that I am over the moon right now. To me, that's the bitterness. Still quaking. That's the bitterness. It, is, it has to be bitterness because it's like, well, this is feeling like a, seriously a one-sided relationship. I know that Liz is not here getting an O in this bed. It, it, the whole purpose of this journey was for me to get mine. I mean, and- you saw in episode one where she was like, uh, are we doing this? That shit made me so upset that you could talk to your ex, your current, your fuck flame, whatever the fuck, the way you did. And then, and then transition within 30 seconds. Are we, are we going back to the grubbles? And Anne, oh, yeah, happy for that. Yeah, yeah, she is happy for that, Anne. She fucking is. You should have sent her on her way to Agreed. another hoe. Agreed. Another hoe in Halifax. But yes, let's fucking wrap it up with this man-keen shit. <laughs> There's a lot of entries in the beginning of October where Anne is like feigning. I mean, part feigning, part not, because she was still pretty confident that she has no hope of what's happening. And mm. she's like trying to, you know, pour, put it on thick for Anne Walker and just be like, come on, come on, come on. Like, can I play on your sympathies to have this go differently? And there's a mention of these poems. And I'm like, these are not poems like the poems in Fingersmith or Goddamn the Handmaid's Tale. Because Anne mentions that Catherine and Anne Walker, Thirsty Anne Walker, were talking about some poems of George Crabb. And, you know, I guess they're like rated all. I don't. I mean... Let's. I say that with a grain of salt because I was supposed to Google like what that means. He was born in 1754 in the village of Aldeburgh, Suffolk. He apprenticed at a doctor. Bitch, I don't care. Show me a poem. What? I'm already starting reading the first poem. I'm like, why Anne got a problem with this poem? It's really long. Bitch, this is too much. I feel like these George Crabbe poems are like the equivalent of just not even, I don't even know what to say. Like, like what's the least sorted version of Cinemax? You know how like there's porn? Okay, and then there's like it. Skinamax, yeah, which like is like 
non-completely lurid nude porn what is above that like what is that because that's these george crab people and not even then it's it's probably even more chaste <laughs> okay the tears slightly above skinamax right but ann lister had a problem with this shit and here she is talking that shit about ann walker she thinks me head over heels in love with her she is mistaken her mumbling kisses have cured me of that this is her thing if she man came she was talking of george crabbe's poems Catherine maintained they were not fit to be read <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, you fucking hoe miss walker was not so particular not fit for young girls but very well for herself and Catherine. Sounds reasonable. Oh, ho, thought I. <laughs> That's a pun intended for Anne. Oh, yes. Oh, ho. Um, this is a new light, i.e. discovery to me. Likely enough from your manner. She casually said the other day she should now know better how to flirt than she used to. It has struck me more than once. She is a deepish, i.e. sly hand. Worldly woman. She took me up to her room. I kissed her and she pushed herself so to me. I rather felt and might have done it as much as I pleased. She is man-keen enough. If I stay all night, it will be my own fault. If I do not have all of her, I can. She continues, she let out today that there is someone who would now be glad of her and take her into a very different rank of life from her present one. A dude. And um, oh, no. I know. No, we don't like that. And she puts in parentheses, some poor Scotch baronet. At all rates, I may handle her as I like <laughs> if I choose to venture it. Yo, she, I feel like this is her trying to make herself feel good. She's like, yo, okay, so this, this bitch might be marrying somebody else, but at least I could, at least I could get a good girl, but at least right. I could do whatever I want. At least she wants me that much. At least, at least I could do what I want. Poor Anne. She's like, at all rates, I may handle her as I like if I choose to venture it. How changed my mind? I care not for her, though her money would suit. Have she and Catherine been playing tricks? But the latter is in the wane with her now. I am cured. So she is to the point. Her brain. <laughs> right. She she has gone too far. And I think she's also in the camp of like, sometimes you think too much, babe. Like you think a lot. You're super smart. But sometimes you take that overthinking to the next level because you just thought yourself into some bullshit. You thought yourself into Anne Walker not being a virgin. You thought herself into being man keen and worldly. And you thought herself into sapphic, sapphic grobles with Catherine, which... Why I like about this, though, is that I feel like in the show, we get the impression that Anne is jealous of Catherine. Like, we don't have that much stuff to, like, say Anne is jealous of Catherine. But that crack of the paper knife is all jealousy of Catherine and her proximity to Anne Walker. Wouldn't you say? I agree. But what I love about her process is, like, there's too much void and uh, potential for something to go wrong when things don't like they're immediately right. So it's yeah, she's out here just like, <laughs> oh, she's flailing in the wind. <laughs> she's flailing. That's why I'm like, bitch, you already caught up. You sprung because this is not what regular people do when they actually don't give a fuck about a hoe. Like, this is not what they do. They don't write annals in their diaries <laughs> and then just try to, like, justify shit to themselves and then say, well, sure, surely, surely, sure, surely. And so Jill Liddington writes, but Ann Lister, now that she perceived Ann Walker as man keen rather than virginally pure, shifted her attitude towards her. So... It's a is this sort of a graduation? Um, is this like being a pescatarian? Is this <laughs> she's full of shit? She's full of shit because it's like that. Because the next day, essentially, she's like, Oh, spent a little while with my aunt. She thought me looking uncommonly well and in unusually good spirits. And parentheses, she's like, And so, in fact, I felt on the occasion of my decision, as I told her last night, of giving up Miss Walker. She is so full of shit. It's like when I, met, when I read you that entry about Miss Brown, and she was like, I'm done with Miss Brown. I am so over Miss Brown. 
we are done talking. In fact, I'm not even gonna look for that hoe. But tomorrow, I'm just gonna for the last for the last time, I'm gonna try to make up to Miss Miss Brown and, and have a little conversation. And oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. I mean, I mean, I'm done. I'm done with Miss Brown. To be sure that this is the kind of behavior that is to be expected from a sprung a sprung <laughs> queer lady. And of interest, just because Mrs. Priestley becomes the busybody becomes an issue. This episode is that she, as I said, there are things in the diaries that give you the impression of like jealousy, whatever, whatever. I'm not sure, but there is an entry that talks about. And Walker, or rather, and Lister going over to Mrs. Priestley's and making up to her, doing that thing she normally does. And Mrs. Priestley says something about basically like, oh, so you've been, I heard you've been going over to uh, Miss Walker's yeah, a she lot. Hasn't, she hasn't been well. Right. And she tries to play it all down like, oh, no, no, no. I haven't been going there. I've been going every day. I don't know what you're talking about. We can't sustain that kind of thing. In fact, I'm not going today. And it's because she's trying to throw Mrs. Priestley off the scent of her, her new sapphic trails. There is some truth to, there is some truth to Auntie Ann Lister being upset and worried about Ann being out late because of the criminals and such and such. So that's something we also see in the entries. That, that she rolled she, up all. That she waited up for Ann when she was coming in late because she was literally in a host of miseries. It seems like Marion and Mrs. Priestley were not lying about that because <laughs> the diaries were like, your auntie is concerned. Actually, this is the entry I was looking for earlier where I was like, this proves her living contradictory self where she's like, to prove I had no hope, said I had told my aunt so. And this was in the entry that I just glossed over where she's like, aunt, it's off. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, she doesn't want to live at Shipton. That's it. It's just, it's Shipton. And here she is. To prove I had no hope, I said I told my aunt. Yet I kissed and pressed very very tenderly and got my right hand up her petticoats to her queer, but not to the skin. Could not get through her thick knitted drawers. For though she never once attempted to put my hand away, she held her thighs too tight together for me. I shall manage it next time. Like, yo, <laughs> bitch, Whoa. what is you doing? Whoa. Girl. Although, I mean, can you ever really be off the grubbles? Are you ever <laughs> off the grubbles? Perhaps no. So she she's full of shit. Oh, right. We'll just touch on these entries that get to the end of the episode, which is John bungling the pickup. Quick mention in her diaries. John came for me tonight and went first to the Priestleys. They will talk us over and think something <laughs> is in the wind. <laughs> oh, yes, bitch. O's in the wind. I don't want to be a bother. However, Mrs. P said yesterday my going to her Miss W so much was a good thing for her. Yeah, well, before she could confirm the grubbles, it was a good thing. I'm so sorry, Anne. But the book says that Anne Lister did not want another mistress or merely another flirtation. She wanted a motherfucking wife. She wanted what Veer had. Companionship, permanence, a wife. And so here we are to the entry with Priestley where she sort of like barges in in the episode. She had the crib. She had crow nest. And she writes, we had a good deal of talk. I said happiness was in well-bred minds, more mental than in others. If such was or could be her feelings and she could give up the thought of having children, perhaps she might be with me, et cetera, et cetera. Talked of there being no chance of my marrying, but I saw she did not quite enter into this in spite of all the hints it seemed safe to give. Kissing and pressing her as usual, she put the blind down. Those blinds. So it's Ann Walker. Yeah. I was like, lower the blinds. Please. Lucky. James had come in on trivial errands twice. So they're saying that James came in the, the drawing room twice before they put down the blinds. Or rather, they put down the blinds and lucky mm -hmm. for them because James came in the drawing room twice. And here we go to our Miss Busybody. And Mrs. Priestley came at full. I had jumped in time and was standing by the fire, but Anne looked red and pale and Mrs. P must see we were not particularly expecting or desiring company. She looked vexed, jealous, and annoyed and asked in bitter satire if I had been where I was ever since she left me there. No, said I, only thought to have been. My aunt had been quite in a host of miseries, Miss P said, as if turning it all on this. Yes, she, your aunt, was quite vexed with me. I laughed and said, I really did not intend doing so, causing her anxiety again. 
Yes, she replied angrily. You will do the same the very next time the temptation occurs. Plain proof. Plain proof, thought I, of what you think and what you smoke, i.e. suspect a little. I parried all with good humor, saying that I really must stay all night. <laughs> 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 See, I kind of miss this in the show because this is that this is that gay bullshit. She's like, I parried with good humor, saying I really must stay all night. She only stayed a few minutes and went off in suppressed rage. So literally, so it's a little different than the show. So Miss Priestley comes in and they're like, Oh, what? What's? What do you mean? What's going on? And Miss Priestley's like, You're you're doing stuff with fire. And Anne's like, What you What you mean? What's that? What fire? What's fire? I don't even know. What fire is, Miss? Are you sure you can see? Did you get your eyes checked out, Mrs. Priestley? Because I think you're confused. And it continues. Mrs. W laughed and said we were well matched. We soon got to kissing again on the sofa. And here we go. Here we go. This is it. At last, I got my right hand up her petticoat. And after much fumbling, got through the opening of her drawers and touched, first time, the hair and skin of her queer. Oh, yeah. And because Anne always has to know this, she never offered the least resistance. (laughs) (laughs) She never offered the least resistance. Never. So I think it's hilarious that in this time that the books are showing us real life and the show was like doing its combination of fiction and life, Anne was feeling insecure about Anne Walker. Yes, she She was. was. thinking she was man-keen. She was thinking she was whirly. She was thinking she had some fuck times some fuck moments with Catherine and still she was like gotta be on my grubbles gotta please this hoe gotta get this done gotta get near queer and she did yeah claps oh they they got to o's ultimately so much much excitement and and we're only on episode three <laughs> three I don't, I don't know what so, that I, I so know. if I were to debate on I don't know thoughts or Maybe try to do a prediction? No. And spending wifey's money or her baby's money? Well, I mean, of course. A lot of that. I making out all the goddamn time? How about that? How about bits, that? Remembering that I was supposed to interview with Salden because I literally was near queer when I was... <laughs> near queer! I was definitely near queer when I was I'm going to put that on a shirt. Near queer. And it, it'll be the inside joke for all of us. And... Well, just us. I like it, right? I like it. I was yelling and screaming about her getting middle finger towards queer. And I would just say, like, I'll finish it because it's relevant to what happens, which she's like, for the first time, right middle finger up her queer. She whispered that she loved me. Then afterwards said her mind was quite unmade up and bade me not to be sanguine. This is why Ann Lister fucked up is because literally Ann Walker's like, she's in the throes like lamb. Feel my heart yearning. And she gets that, oh, and she's like, well, damn, I love you. But also, I'm not sure about this marriage thing. I'm not, I haven't quite, like, I just, it's really boggling my mind right now. What to think of it, just the schematics of it all. I just, but the grubbles, the grubbles were inspired. And Anna's like, I don't understand you. If you could get down with the grubbles <laughs> and you like, like all this shit, what is, what is, what is the problem? I'm telling what is the problem? you. You it's... seem to be a gay. What is going on? <laughs> and Walker's like, what's going on is I'm confused. Okay. I just need time to think because the vapors have got me the fuckest of uppin. So that happens and Anne is on her bullshit in her head, but she's still on her jaunty in life. And then finally, when she gets near with regularity, in a sense, she she changes her mind about Little Miss Thirsty Walker. In this entry, on October 15th, Monday, October 15th, 1832, she writes, I undressed in half hour and then went to her room, had her on my knee a few minutes, then got into bed. I just... I feel like I need to have girls on my knee. Like, what is... I mean... It seems to be sealing a I lot of I just feel deals. like I need to... 
I mean, in general, I maybe should spend more time there. Just in homage <laughs> to Ann Lister. Like, just for once. I had her on my knee a few minutes, then got into bed. She making no objection. And stayed with her till 12 and three quarters. Grubbing gently. And she was grubbing gently because her vigorous grubbles fucked Ann Walker up the other day. Lo, seriously, hey. she grubbled that bitch. And she was like, I don't Damn. know, B. She writes, after grubbing gently. She seemed so tender and able to bear so little. I think she was more intact and innocent and a virgin than I had latterly surmised that I contented myself with handling her gently and lovemaking. She feared she should never be able to satisfy me. She whispered to me in bed how gentle and kind I was to her and faintly said she loved me. Or else, how can you think, said she, that I should let you do as you do? Well, she's like, of course I love you. I'm letting you grubble. <laughs> that's, that's basically what that means. And of course, later on, she says to her aunt, well, a day later, she's like, about Miss W, said the more I saw of her, the more I felt satisfied with her, etc., etc. <laughs> so, honestly, honestly, I don't know how many times I've already recommended you guys read the books. All of them, if you have the time, if you know, don't want to waste paper or something. Get a Kindle version, but I highly recommend all of them just for the full, complete look of jaunty ass fuck. Jaunty as fuck and Lister because it's all necessary. I mean, this whole part of the whole man keen, I'm sure I'll go on some more as uh, episode four comes around. But, you know, to me, it's like I said to you before, it's a combination of the patriarchy and you know, that influencing her opinions of women who were maybe, you know, passionate or seemed sexually adventurous, even though she herself was out oh, there grubbling from the age of 16. Right. She was an adventurer, mountaineer girl. And you out here concerned about women being man keen when you out here, uh, not man keen, but grubble keen. That's what I'll call it. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it completely tickles me that ultimately our patron saint of thirst, her thirst was so thirsty. Her thirst was so enormous. Her sexual confidence was so surprising to a learned gay like Ann Lister that she was fucking called Mankeen and just disparaged in Ann Lister's mind for like a whole week until she was like, oh, um, oh, the grubbles have worked out better than I thought. The quick succession in which these O's came leads me to believe that if I do the math, uh-huh, uh-huh, carry the two, add that from Mariana, minus that from Isabella, and okay, she is not Mankeen. She is not. And we shall end it with so you tell me what you think of this. I'd like to end on this fun, funky entry because we've read so many blow entries and there's so much I can bloody say that I need to start myself before before we get near dawn <laughs> like we always we're do. Always and we're, we're inching towards dawn at this time. I blame the rain. And also you putting on that gay as fuck anime. It was motherfucker. good. No, you're right. It was good. I, I'm not upset. It was like cartoon Ann Lister, except she got a wife faster because the wife was in the first episode and she had an actual sword. And I have to imagine... Ann Lister slash Saran Jones with a sword. And um, I would like to not have to imagine that. But, you know, I'm just going to keep putting that request out there, putting in the universe just in case, just in case. You know how I feel about Xena, women with swords. Can I have it, please? Please? Where are they? Where are my women with swords? Why is it taking three years for the next Wonder Woman movie to come out? Huh? How about that? What's, what, what are you doing? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me reel it in. Okay. So while she on that bullshit about Ann Walker... And she's trying to lie to herself about how she's not really concerned with how it goes. Like, oh, I don't care how it goes. I don't care if she says yes or no, but I will be paying due court every day. I don't care what happens, <laughs> but I'll be incurring this cross. I don't really give a fuck about her, but I just got off yet again to thoughts of Ann Walker after I thought about her for motherfucking four hours. On the 21st of October, she has an entry that says, Lay thinking and wavering about Miss W. Determined to amuse myself in libertine and care no more about her. Then preparing for my journey, suing and busy over one thing or other. 
off at 6.15 to Lydgate, there in 25 minutes. Tea at 9 in 20 minutes. Read sermon and prayers. Came upstairs at 10. I grumbling gently. She nothing loth. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, what? what? Who goes on the steady grumble when you don't care about her? You know what I'm saying? That's cardio. That's energy. I mean, yes, it's also a benefit to Anne because who doesn't want a good grumble? But I'm just saying, it's a lot of, it's a lot of just like lengths to go to for someone who doesn't give a fuck. But here's what I want to ask you about. So at the end of the month, essentially on the 25th, and technically this scene isn't relevant like in the show for us to see until episode four. But this entry says Thursday. October 25th. Alighted at Lydgate. Miss W, much less tired and having borne the journey much better than I expected. They take a trip to York to see Dr. Belcombe, which is Mariana's brother. Just FYZ. And here's, here's where I'm asking questions. In code, she writes, I had felt her queer a little on leaving Leeds. It being dark, we talked quite as if all was settled. So I could not now spend more than a thousand pounds a year. Talked of alterations at Shipton. Yada, 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 yada. What I'm getting to is, I had felt her queer a little on leaving Leeds. It being dark. So do you read into that in the high flyer, in the carriage, in the gig? <laughs> is that what you read? Do you read lesbians grumbling on the go? I need to know. Yes. Because this is what I read. This, yes. is, this is what I'm thinking. This is... It's like um that Forest of Dean trip. It's it's little grumbling. Did you just bring up killing I did. Eve? It's grumbling. <laughs> it's grumbling on route. I scream way too much on this podcast. It's um, grumbling on route. It's 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 Gruber. <laughs> uh, can I get my Gruber? Yeah. Um, wow, what a what a ride! I just. This tickles me because, and maybe this is just me or the people I know, but I feel like a queer thing that I've had and had people known is like those impromptu grumbling sessions, if you will, that can happen almost in public, but because of the situation, don't nobody know. Is this a two century year old version of that? Well, if you think about who's actually doing the traveling inside the cot, the your footman or well your driver is on the outside he don't he don't so it's just it's you and your plus one that's all it's in the inside sometimes it's up to four or more depending <laughs> well, on the how high, big i think the that's what the high flyers is. are for the high flyers are for like a little mini buses or something right and the gig is maybe more personal i just i'm tickled that they potentially had a grub in the carriage. I am so beyond entertained at this. You know what? Let's close out this podcast with your most indiscreet, discreet grubble location. Well, aside from the Gruber, which would be (laughs) amazing. Why you gotta drop your voice like that? The Gruber. Right, that Gruber just sounds like the dream. Um, Um, I mean... Private tea after uh, dinner? (laughs) It seems uh, opportune for grumbling. Uh, let's see. Other than... Wait, you said after dinner? Private tea? Is private it pri- tea? tea time after... I'm talking about you. Oh. Mm. Not the most inopportune. Well, right now, I, right now I, for them, I, it's the high I flyer. Said, I'm saying where for you was the most inopportune, opportune grubble. Like if you had to compare this situation with Ann Lester and Ann Walker and you were playing Never Have I Ever, like where would it go? What would you say? Uh, probably uh, I was, impress the listeners. No, no, <laughs> no, pressure, no, no pressure, no pressure, no pressure. I didn't know about impressing. <laughs> no but, pressure, no pressure. Right, uh, I'm joking. Regal? Regal Cinema? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. So you're going for the classic Alanis Alanis Morissette? Morissette? Yeah. Go down on you in a theater. Uh, theater. Uh, 
Okay. All right. Okay. Because all right. it's 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 inopportune, but it's opportune. It's an opportune, but it's opportune. Right. All right. I'm gonna pick my classiest spot because I would be lying if I said this wasn't something I tried often. Maybe it's a little kink. I haven't really investigated that within myself. But the opera. I feel like I've said this to you before, but I just bring it up but because that works. it works. Second tier would be like a Broadway show, but the opera is just more melodramatic and it's darker in there. And you get free shampoo, so it all works together. Listeners, if you would like to submit, <laughs> if you would like to submit your most some grubble location, your your most obvious, unobvious grubble location in the spirit of Anne and Anne, grubbling in the high flyer, please submit on any platform you doth wish, on the Insta, on the Twitter, any of our ragged social media platforms, you know we'll see it eventually. And share in your stories of grubbling. That's it, that's all I got. Uh, okay. <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. Ooh, ooh, Ferris wheel. That's the things I go that's around, a, right? Uh-huh, Bitch, yeah. Ferris wheel. Yeah. See, that's a good one, Ferris wheel. It was not altogether comfortable, but the view was. Anyway, I'll tie it for the Ferris wheel in the opera, the <laughs> Metropolitan, and I'm referring to the Metropolitan Opera House, not the Sydney Opera House. I don't. <laughs> I feel like there's more than two, but I just wanted to specify that I was talking about the one in New York. Okay, that's it. I look at all these. Look at all these things. But I'm gonna stop myself. Look at all these things. So I'll bring them up in the next episode. Every episode. Or? Look at that. That literally says "bitch" in capital letters. It does. And next to it, it says "Let nature guide you." This is how Ed Lister has fucked me up, bitch. God, what the <laughs> fuck? What the fuck is going on with my goddamn life? I don't even know. I don't even know. Just finished my fucking drink and uh, <laughs> let's close the shit out. I'm a mess. And you know, I always get delirious and I don't start to make sense. Like once we pass 3 a.m. and we are an hour past yeah, we're, 3 a.m. Well so um, I can't be trusted at this point to lead the podcast any further. And I know I'm supposed to with these entries, but I'm done. Uh, so I guess what I could say is um, that we'd love for you guys to be able to reach out to us with all of your uh, findings and discoveries that they're deleted moments. You want to share with us that we need to know about thanks to um who told us about vimeo Um, oh yes thank you and so you already know that we are at gentleman jack crack on the insta a gentleman crack on the twitter on gentleman jack podcast is our gmail (laughs) why do i sound so motherfucking confused i do Um, i'm not allowed to play on these that's true that's true but you can play I was trying to retweet something the other day and I got mad at you because I was like, yo, Terrence doesn't know what the fuck is going on, so I can't tweet that shit. Um, but we will be able to tweet into the abyss soon. Give us like soon. another month and a half of stuff. And then we'll just be like the rest of y'all, just screaming endlessly, gay screaming. I'm still waiting for some of that uh, fan art. I hope <laughs> <Yeah>. that's coming out. <laughs> Villanelle and the, the poofy arms and the pink tra- tool dress. It'd be so nice. It'd be so nice. I mean, she may like it by accident. <laughs> oh. <I'm> just, right? <laughs> well. Well, well. She might like it by accident. You never know. Yes, indeedy. I know, I know. I'm See right. here, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I should say, oh, be sure to go on our website and play around with some of the, you know, some of the. Uh, <laughs> what? Play around with what? Go what, on the uh, website and play around with play some around of the... with your grubbles. Well, I mean, what's there? What would you guys do if I made a mobile game about grubbling? Like, this is where I am. This is what's happening, and it, it doesn't quite make sense. But I'm talking about it because I want a grubbling game, and I'm not even sure how exactly I would do it. But I've I've thought about it. 
and I I could. It's and so pocket maybe pool I for women. Pocket. <laughs> it's after three a.m. I just kind of want a game too, where I could see Anne Jaunty walk like down the block right. and hit men with her stick. You know, just there's not really a point. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like so I can jaunt vicariously. Uh, so <laughs> I. I don't feel like I even went through all my shits. I'm sorry, you guys. Like, if you're like, Candace, you didn't read that one entry that was really super important. Please just write into us about it. And I will next time. I'm I apologize. It's late. Um, It's been a really long week. So I guess we can do our cheers. Oh, our toast. Yeah, but I only got like one sip left. So I will cheers to. Uh. (laughs) <laughs> I will cheers to the fretting that can happen in the seasoned seasoned lesbian's mind. Oh, sure. Uh, when dealing with someone, uh, when dealing with the baby gay, by by uh, me listening and seeing this classification of uh, what was it? It was like a keen. Man keen. man keen, I've been, I've thinking, said it so many times I'm since that I'm like, girl, you man keen, <laughs> because like the 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 misandrist in me hates that line because I'm like man keen, that's the wrong way to say it, but uh, <laughs> grubble keen, sure, I, it just makes me laugh though that Ann Lister, like you said, the learned lesbian, learned yeah. lesbian was so was so taken aback by Ann Walker's thirst. She was like, man, Keen, you're fucking Catherine. I see what you're up to. <laughs> it's great. Okay, yeah. Please finish your And um, again, uh, it's me hoping that you can cash out. Just cash out and listen. This is, <laughs> uh, that's the only thing I could ask you to do is to cash out. Cash you, out with you your grubbles out. Right. I don't make no damn sense. But you said right, so I'm gonna go with it. I Never mean, mind. my thing is, like I've been, like I keep trying to say. I mean, group O's don't always happen. They don't. Did you say group O's? Group O's don't always happen. <laughs> no, they don't. So if I they mean, don't. if if you got a group O, you got a good thing. So, so, <laughs> so hold on to what? it. Don't be do afraid you mean like of a, it. Do you mean like an O in tandem, like two two oh, together? Well, or you know, well, group two o, people like having two, right. the, the O yes. at the same time. Yes. That is right. I don't. That's so, going to Italy. I don't know. What a that is. moment. That's, that's... Going to Paris? We got to come up with a whole new phrase. So here's here's this cheers is for you and your unstable mind and just put some <laughs> peace. Put some peace. Get them and, and, peace and, and rebels. And, and and I mean, understand. she's already technically back to peace because yeah. she went ahead and vigorously grubbled that woman and she was like, oh shit, look at. I guess I was confused about her being man. Let me be gentle. Let me be gentle. She fucked that bitch up. I'm trying to figure out how many O's in a row she gave her before Anne Walker was like, please! And literally in the diary, she's like, I don't know if I could fuck you ever again because you fucked me up last time and I just don't know. I just don't know what's happening to me. The service made me breakfast and I couldn't go down to get it. <laughs> <laughs> I was fucked up, and Lister. Well, James was like, why are you walking like that, Ann Walker? And I was like, shut up, James. You're the help. You know that there's something wrong with my back, James. <laughs> send, send for the doctor. <laughs> So she's like, business. she's like, and you know, I got some on my back, bitch. Like you, you had to do me like that. You didn't have to, to, <laughs> to wear my back out like that. And Ooh. I thought she said you cared. All right. See, we're done. We need to stop. See that? Well, We've that been on this toast chance. for five minutes. Right. Oh, that, that was your that toast? Was, that was my okay. toast. Um, what am I going to toast to? I too toast to 
fucking thirsty ass Ann Walker, patron saint of motherfucking thirst, being goddamn man keen. I toast to you, Ann Walker, for inspiring me 200 years after the fact with your goddamn thirst and your goddamn gayness that apparently took Ann Lister off her shit for a second because she know what the fuck to do with it. Um, I also cheers to James for minding his own goddamn business, yes. despite the fact that it was very loud and crow nest yes. in this past episode and life. And um, I cheers to Aunt Ann for having the, the foresight and the patience and the space and the love for her fucking grumbling niece and all of her ridiculously extra, completely unnecessary, but incredibly lovely to observe and read about antics in the grubble. This may, is no, right. No. May our ladies grubble long time, or at least until episode four. May you continue to educate uh, future lesbians in your eternal ways. <laughs> I, I, hey. May Miss Priestley, <laughs> may Mrs. Priestley get a fucking grubble. Catherine too, because um, again, that's just, my, that's just the way I feel about it. But I'm incredibly biased. And I also feel really intensely about my gay darb. So I'm just, I'm just going to go with it for now. So cheers. Cheers to... To being man keen, because that actually means being gay as fuck. Ooh. All right. I've had too much brandy. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's why I'm feeling frisky and out of control. So time to end the podcast before it becomes another podcast. I, I feel know. my Wakanda accent coming out. That's not good. Yeah, let's put the Jimmy down. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so until <laughs> next time, everybody. Cue the jaunty music! Cue the jaunty music, bitch! We'll see you lovely people next week. Oh, we'll see you. We'll hear you. You'll hear us. What You'll the hear fuck? us. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Ooh. Regency-era lesbians. Oh, my God.